This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another week of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you along with Michael Remus. And uh, lots to get to coming out of a disappointing Friday afternoon for Jet fans, although a great time with many of you that joined us down at Little Brown Jug Brewing. A big bomber win on the weekend, and the Stanley Cup is over and is going to Denver, Colorado, and the Avalanche are the Stanley Cup champions. Um, We've got lots to kick around today. We will talk a little bit about the Cup Final coming up in a few minutes with uh, our buddy Tommy Gazzola from TSN in Edmonton. Um, And then Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press will join us, and we'll certainly focus in on where the Winnipeg Jets go now that Barry Trotz has removed his name from the mix for the potential next head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, as well as the timeline with next week's NHL draft going in Montreal. Um, Darren Bomby's going to pop by. We'll talk about the Bombers' big win to go to 3-0 and on the weekend. And um, certainly both Jeff and Darren talk about some of the other news around the Canadian Football League, which also included an absolutely stunning performance from BC Lions quarterback Nathan Rourke, who became uh, the uh, single-game passing leader in CFL history for a Canadian quarterback. So uh, a, a lot to get to today. Um, great to have everyone with us. If um, you are watching on YouTube or uh, finding us later on after the fact, do us a favor, hit that red subscribe button and make sure to join us live daily at 1 p.m. Central between Monday and Friday here in the city of Winnipeg. And uh, for all you podcast listeners, if you ever have the opportunity to jump onto Apple or Spotify and give us a five-star rating and a review, certainly helps us spread the channel as well. I'm going to bring Remo in here, uh, but I do want to thank all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Assiniboia Downs. We're back with live racing tonight, 7.30 p.m. We'll get to our picks towards the end of the program. Canadian Club Whiskey and, of course, our friends over at Cool Bet Canada. Let's get uh, Remo in here and get this show on the road. What's going on? How was your weekend? I'm recovering from our show on Friday at... uh... Little Brown Jug, what an experience that was. Uh, incredible seeing everyone. I'm seeing people in chat, and i got to make sure I adjust just all my stuff here. But uh, that was so much fun, and we did have the big news on the Friday with the Barry Trots. Thank- you know, I said then, thankfully, they waited um, until you know we were still on. Uh, it would have been terrible if it would have been like 3.30, and we had just finished. We'd have- probably have to come back. That but, would have uh, sucked. That would have sucked. Yeah, we would have we would just have finished taking everything down and loading it out and then would have had to fire something else up. So, yeah. yes, that was nice of Dregs to drop the news when he did, although let's face it, nobody, uh, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but uh, the vast majority of uh, the people that were with us down at Little Brown Jug and most Jet fans, pretty disappointed for the way, uh, by the way, that that end ended up. But I think, as we've said before, there was no guarantees. There was a lot of optimism about the possibility of Barry Trotz being the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, but it's not happening. And I think Winnipeg knew that this was a possibility all along and now needs to go down that road of their next choice. And we've heard a number of names, um, Jim Montgomery, Rick Tockett, Kirk Muller, Scott Arneal, Pascal Vincent, 
Um, and who knows, maybe some other names that will emerge over the next few days. Uh, but we'll get into that with Hammer a little bit later on in the program. And we'll certainly uh, we'll certainly talk about it coming up over the next few minutes before we get to the cup final with Tom Gazzola. Hey, I do want to give a shout out to our friends at Vita Health. Pop by there. They had a great little block party and barbecue on the weekend over at the Linden Ridge store, which was certainly nice to see. And you know, a few WSTers were out there. Oh, and Remo, before we do anything, I have to give a big shout-out to a good friend of ours, former WST guest, Christian Hammerback, who came on a month or two ago to promote the All Abilities Golf Championship that was happening over the last few days out at LeBrokery. And uh, and Christian won 76 and 80, um, beating a golfer from, I believe, BC and another one from Ontario. But the best part about it, and I'm still looking to get a uh, get a picture of this, Reem, but Christian went and won that championship wearing a Winnipeg Sports Talk hat. So we have our first champion-sponsored athlete from WST, and it was Hammerback yesterday oh, in the All Abilities Championship. Here's the picture. Here's the picture. I had someone sent it to me just before we went live and asked if we could mention it. We also have um, our race car uh, in our stable. Rick Delane is riding with... Uh, Riding with the, the Winnipeg sports, sports talk, Winnipeg, Winnipeg sports talk car. Absolutely. Hit, that's still going on, but here he is doing an interview. So yeah, our first, I guess this is our first champion athlete, but uh, credit to Rick Delane. Well, Rick's done a lot of winning as well. We've got to give a shout and there it is. Christian, beautiful shirt too. And uh, rocking the WST hat. So uh, congratulations to Christian, a great guy. And um, really cool to see the support for the all abilities event and everyone that took part in it um i know we'll talk a lot about the bombers a little bit later on bombing is going to join us remo uh but i mean the other thing you know we could we thanked everyone for coming down to little brown jug and obviously james and rebecca and kevin and the entire gang down there uh it really really was i mean so much fun and uh the great thing is now that we know we're able to sort of pull this off we'll be doing this more um you know i'm sure throughout the summer and especially heading into next year's hockey season but um, as much fun as it was to get together, there was a little bit of a dark cloud, both lit figuratively and literally, once we got outside with that crazy weather on Friday afternoon. Um, but this was the news, as I mentioned, was possible. No one was uh, maybe spending too much time thinking about it because they were so locked on on the possibility of one of the winningest coaches in NHL history coming back to Manitoba and be the Winnipeg Jets head coach. Um, but now we sit here heading into... This weekend, Canada Day, of course, on Friday, next week's first round of the NHL draft on Thursday night. And there is a lot of work to be done and a significant amount of time that has expired while the Jets exhausted all opportunities to try to get Barry Trotz. Yeah, and I'm just going through some of the pictures. It's on our Instagram and our Facebook. So give us a follow on there. Uh, again, great event. Great event uh, on Friday. But yeah, we did have the news about the Winnipeg Jets coaching situation. Barry Trotz opting to not coach in 2022. And we'll see what happens. And Jets are in a tough spot. I agree. Uh, drafts next week. Canada Day is Friday. And I will say we, we're not going to be going on live on Canada Day unless the Jets decide to hold a press conference to announce the new coach. I would think it's coming any day now. You see teams uh, announcing who their coach is. So I'm not really sure sure what to make of the situation. I know Jeff's going to come on later and maybe he can clear things up. Elliot Friedman mentioned a couple names. Um, how funny would it be if there was, we talked about this Friday, if there was the Andrew Brunette, Paul Maurice swap with Florida, is that something Brunette wants to do? 
Um, that would be wild. So we'll wait and see. Yeah, um, you know, brunette actually was one of the other names that I guess I neglected to mention, and and, and I I really don't know how much contact or interest there is in him. But hey, the guy was a finalist for the Jack Adams Trophy last year. By all accounts, was handpicked by Coach Q to follow in his footsteps and take over when um, when Quenville essentially had to resign. And, I mean, it's pretty hard to argue with the job that he did with that team throughout the regular season. Now, of course, the last we have seen of the Florida Panthers was them getting spanked and immediately thrown over the top rope to use a chat, uh, chat term in the second round of the playoffs against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, I mean, hey, I think credit where credit is due. I mean, Tampa has been the standard in the National Hockey League for the last number of seasons up until last night when they were finally taken out by the Colorado Avalanche. Um, and part of me thinks that the the hiring of Maurice was a was an overreaction to what happened in round number two. That being said, you know you've got a guy that outside of last year does not have head coaching experience, but did a pretty damn good job with that Florida team that ended up winning the President's Trophy. So, to me, he's an intriguing candidate. Uh, and then obviously, just from a media perspective, and you know for fun storylines, uh, as we hit with Marat, I mean. If this did happen, and again, I will, I'm sure, learn more and more about who the team is sort of focusing its sights on. If Andrew Burnett did become the next coach of the Winnipeg Jets, it would set up one of the juiciest storylines in a long time with essentially a swap of coaches from mid-last season with Paul Maurice now being in Florida and Brunette being the Jets guy. And uh tell you what, those, those Panthers-Jets games, especially the one in Winnipeg, certainly would be something next year. But I think there's a number of other names that are probably more likely in the mix. But I really believe that we'll probably be hearing more and more over the next few days as more interviews take place and the Jets get a little bit closer to uh, narrowing down their final candidates for um, the next man to get an offer to be head coach of the Winnipeg Jets after uh, Barry Trotz gave us the Heisman. Yeah, I want to give the Heisman. Uh Went went like went like this. There you go. The Heisman, nice, nice. Feels feels really thanks. good. Thanks, you could, but no thanks. You could feel the air coming out of the studio audience on Friday's show when you read <laughs> the tweet. You could feel, you could feel the disappointment in the room. So, uh, but I would like to thank Barry Trotz for it was quite a ride. I'm be honest. Like we're gonna look back on those last uh, what month at two almost two months May nine he got fired. And we talked about it every day. What's going on with Trot's watch? What's <laughs> what's the latest? It's like just um, trying to see what any morsel of information any insider out there would put out. Uh, we had such a blast. Sad that it ended this way. But so we had the graphic Trot's watch. I've made some slight modifications, Hus. Here we are. Uh, we're now on Jets. <laughs> Jets head coach watch. Jets head coach watch. Uh, just a big question mark. Yeah, just a big question mark. So we're here waiting. We don't really know who the names are. You know, we had heard a bunch. Elliot um, did talk about it today. If you we want to play play that, yeah. Clip. You know what? Listen, this is going to continue to be the top story, even with the Stanley Cup being handed out last night. We will get to the Cup final, and as I said, Jeff's going to pop on. We'll spend uh, an extended period of time hitting on the Jet situation going into this week. But Elliot Friedman has continued to be uh, one of, if not the go-to guy for information on the coaching openings around the league. And um, he, while covering the cup final, 
has also had uh, quite a bit of info as to where the three remaining agencies, by the way, Luke Richardson officially announces the Blackhawks head coach today. So it's Boston, it's Detroit and Winnipeg, the three teams with openings right now. And uh, here's the latest from Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if they've been interviewed already. The team I wonder now is is Winnipeg. We talked about the four of the guys that we thought were kind of in this, mm-hmm. and we named Tockett, Montgomery, Arneal, and Vincent. I also wonder now about Andrew Burnett, and I would be curious to see, does Winnipeg involve anybody here mm. as part of their search? You- Sorry, I, I, he is talking about uh, lightning assistance. Lalonde and Jeff Halpern. Though. Jeff Halpern, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Detroit, I mean, we all know, you know, they're in there, and I can't prove it. I don't know that it's 100% true, but I wouldn't be surprised if there have been some conversations already with Tampa's permission, of course. Boston, I think they're beginning their second round of interviews this week. I don't know that they're going to talk to any of these guys, but it wouldn't surprise me. But you're right, Tampa's going to maybe have at least one vacancy on their coaching staff. Yeah, and, and, and I, again, this is just based on what I've been reading and what I've been hearing and kind of connecting the dots. And Iserman in particular, Remo, has been given credit maybe amongst all of his colleagues as general managers as being the guy maybe outside of Lou Lamorello can, that can keep things on the down low the best. Um but whether it is Lalonde or Halpern, I think that's the most likely guy in Detroit to uh, to take over as their head coach, considering, um, you know, and maybe this is too simple, but you just know that what Tampa's done for a long time, how Iserman was part of building that team, uh, and I think those Tampa connections could be significant when it comes to hiring their next head coach. Um, so we do have a pretty interesting list of List of candidates, I would imagine that in the next you know few days, we'll probably get reports that the Jets have circled back with a number of them. If that hasn't happened already, we'll all look forward to asking Jeff about that coming up. Um, but now, like, you know, for a few weeks, we've been talking mostly about Barry Trotz, knowing that, you know, it was worth the wait if you could get it done. Um, and, I, and I don't really think the Jets have missed out too much. I mean, was Bruce Cassidy going to come here over Vegas? I doubt it. Um, you know, Paul Maurice and Peter DeBoer were so close. Does that make sense to go from Maurice to DeBoer? Doesn't really matter. He's in Dallas. So I think a number of the guys that have jobs right now probably, you know, would not have been serious considerations for the Jets or maybe the Jets wouldn't have been one of their top choices. Um, but hey, there's only 32 jobs in this league. Being a head coach in the National Hockey League is a dream of many. And I still do think this is a good opportunity for some Although, what becomes of the team ream, um, you know, over the course of just these next few weeks, I think is going to be fascinating because for the first time in a long time, we're having serious and legitimate reports of potentially some, you know, franchise changing trades. Um, Mark Shifley's name's been out there quite a bit. Blake Wheeler's name was sort of came out last week. And we know that, you know, from what is being reported that there seems to be some mutual agreement that a new home for the captain might be something that's in both team and players' best interest. How does that look like? And, you know, what does that mean for the team going forward? And, you know, does that speed up the chance that this is more of a rebuilding period? A rebuilding period that I think the Jets always knew was going to be coming at a certain point. I think it was assumed it would be in a couple years. 
Um, but I have a feeling that with what's happened this past season, the way things ended, uh, and now the fact that you're going to be starting fresh with a brand new head coach, the possibilities of some significant player movement um, are, are far more realistic than they've been. And I've also heard some scuttlebutt that the Jets might be very aggressive in and around the trade floor this year um, to potentially move up and uh, get higher picks or potentially more picks. And of course, if you're putting all your eggs into the first round of the NHL draft, drafting 18-year-olds, I think it's safe to say that that time frame and that window has maybe changed it a little bit for Winnipeg that I think going into last season still thought that they had, you know, a window under the Shifley, Wheeler, Hellebuck contracts of being able to contend right now. Yeah, I think you got to reevaluate your plan after the last week of, you know, again, we've had all the Shifley talk this offseason, you know, the talk about Blake Wheeler now on number three on Frank's trade list. Like, what are you going to, like, what realistically are you going to get back that's going to help you? I think the cap space would probably help you the most, uh, I mean, was someone going to give up uh, something where you're probably going to have to eat part of the contract as well? And then the Pierre-Luc Dubois news that he doesn't really want to sign here long-term and wants to hit UFA, which we talked about uh, in a video that you put very well on a video uh, on this channel. If you want to see that, uh, come check that out uh, in our in our videos. But, I mean, for your Barry Trotz and you have all this negative news about the team, I can see why you'd maybe be scared away. Like, how if you thought this team was going to be a playoff team last year, I don't think it's going to be as easy as we thought to just bounce right in and do a Calgary and finish first, especially, you know, those are pretty high expectations. But just to get into the playoffs, I think going to be tough. We'll have to see what happens with the forwards. But also, there's this logjam on defense we've really ignored as we wait for the head coach to come in. I mean, you have to find room for, uh, what, Vili Hainala, uh, Kovacevic showed he can play. You've got all these contracts. You know, you can't add any more salary. You've got these all these expensive veteran D-men, and you've got guys on ELCs who are capable of playing in the NHL. You need to find some room to get some help on forward, and the easiest way to do that is move out one of those veteran defensemen, bring in a guy on an ELC, and see if you can sign or trade for a, a higher-priced forward who can help you uh, with some depth scoring. Well, or, even, at, at, or even your top scoring, depending on how the trades go. So this is uh, no a kidding. lot going on. I mean, as of right now, the Jets have six forwards signed for next season. And Wheeler, and two of those are Wheeler and Mark Shifley, who have been named prominently in trade possibilities. Connor, Ehlers, Lowry, and Dominic Toninato has an extra year. And then you've got RFAs of Appleton, Dubois, Harkins, and Svechnikov, and UFAs, Adam Brooks, Zach Sanford, and Paul Stastny. Should mention actually Cole Perfetti as well. He's technically on the IR, so it doesn't uh, appear in the main roster right now, but he certainly will be a big part of the Jets' future going forward. And then as far as the defense goes, you're exactly right. And this has been something that we have been talking about all season long. You know, as the team struggled defensively, thinking that, you know, they'd really solve those problems with the addition of Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt. Um, you know, all of Schmidt, Pionk, Morrissey are signed for three more seasons. Morrissey actually six or seven more seasons. And then Dylan and DeMello, both with two more years. Now, Dylan and DeMello, I think both would have some attractiveness around the league. Um, you know, they're making less than, well, D Dylan DeMello is 3 million. Brandon Dylan is 3.9 million. And uh, two years left on the contract. So we're not talking about long, long term. But, you know, you're not getting a player just for one year. Um, and I think that both the cost and what those guys bring the team, 
would probably make those contracts easier to trade. But again, those guys are both players that I think the Winnipeg Jets like and would like to have around. But there are going to be some tough decisions. I certainly don't think Josh Morrissey's going anywhere. Um, Neil Pionk had a down season last year. I think if you were moving on Pionk, you'd sort of be selling low on him. And I don't think the organization is in the business of doing that. And listen, Nate Schmidt has been... I mean, his personality and his character has been such a great addition to the team, and he does do a lot of things right. He can play. I mean, figuring out how that works, who of those defense and one potentially two being on the move to open up some of those spots for the likes of Hanela and Sandberg, um, Declan Chisholm, who we saw last year. You mentioned Johnny Kovacevic. Um, something has to give. So that has always been a topic that we knew was going to be coming up around this time. Um, but the fact that there isn't a head coach right now who I'm sure will have some input or influence into some of those things, you would potentially think, maybe not, depending on the time of it, and then where things go with the forwards is going to make, I mean, as much as you said, hey, thanks to Barry Trotz for being in as long as he was because it was great for the show. There was tons of people coming in here every day to talk about it and hear the latest on it. Uh, it sounds like, you know, with what has happened we're now really just getting started, but there is going to be a real sense of urgency, I think, to to get this done, figure out the right guy, and move forward into next week, at which point, um, I, I will say this, I think next week, Reem, is going to be one of the most interesting weeks overall from a franchise perspective since the Jets came back, and... I said at one point, you know, we've always talked about Jets 2.0 as opposed to 1.0. Jets 2.1 is going to be when Paul Maurice, Blake Wheeler, and Mark Shifley, the kind of the cornerstones of this last, you know, half dozen plus years have been with the club, are moved on. The two players both have two years left on the deal. Um, but who knows whether those players are around. And at that point, you might have a significantly you know, 2.1. And of course, a new head coach to uh, mold the franchise and, uh, you know, hopefully start some better things both on the internal side as well as some better results on the ice. So we'll get to all of this with Jeff Hamilton coming up in a few minutes. Uh, of course, we will talk Bombers, well, 3-0 and after big win against the Hamilton Tiger Cats on Friday night. Uh, but before we get to Tom Gazzola talking cup final ream, uh, what do you think? Uh, I was disappointed. I was really hoping that we were going to have a Game 7 on Tuesday but uh, that'll just give us a chance to get out to the Gold Eyes game or Cinnaboya Downs knowing forward. Um, it was amazing, though. I, 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 The way that Colorado just snuffed the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning out in the third period was, um, was a pretty impressive way to finally finish off a team that has been um, historically good in the salary cap era with what they've done for the last few seasons. But uh, that was just an incredible performance coming back from that early deficit. Uh, but most impressive was the way that they snuffed out anything from the Lightning in the third period of that game. Yeah, I watched the game, and off the hop, Nathan McKinnon seemed like a man possessed. I texted some friends during the game. I'm like, Nathan McKinnon, he's not losing tonight, and almost scored right away. Didn't uh, Tampa scored, but uh, there he was with that uh, one-timer, uh, the tying goal, and assisting on the go-ahead goal, Arturi Lekkonen. Uh, I mean, both teams, I thought, had great uh, trade deadline additions, Lekkonen contributing, but Colorado absolutely dominated once it was 2-1. Uh, I think there was a huge, there was a lengthy, lengthy stretch there in the third period where Darcy Kemper like barely had to make a save. He had one really tough one uh, in the third period. Tampa Bay managed four third period shots, and uh, Tampa Bay came out strong, but really faded as the game went on, and uh, Colorado's so good. 
it didn't matter. You know, we talked the difference would be goaltending. Well, it doesn't matter uh, who your goalie is if you're not giving up shots on net. And uh, Kale McCarr, you know, unanimous Conn Smythe winner. I mean, they lost Sam Girard, but really didn't miss a beat with the Johnsons. And uh, Bowen Byram, uh, you know, who talked after about his, you know, coming back from some concussion issues during the season. Um, they're so good, Colorado. Well-deserving. Sucks for Tampa Bay, you know, that they lost, but... I was get surprised like how sad they were after the game. I mean, Stamkos gave a heartfelt post game. Uh, Pat Maroon, who, I mean, who's going for one just won three cups in a row, <laughs> and still like these guys just want to win so badly. These professional athletes are competitive on another level that you and I maybe would never understand. But um, it was a great series, even if it didn't go to seven. And I'm happy that it's over because call the dessert, the right champion won, and um, now I can like get back to I can have my evenings free again i'm gonna have a bit of a break and i know i'm going to the buffet it did but i'll continue does i got um the reminding me of a passing of the torch when pittsburgh beat detroit in 07 and it was crosby's first cup over detroit who had already won a couple not quite the same but mckinnon is from cole harbor and it's his first it cup. feels like that it we've feels been, like that a little bit we've been waiting for him for his coming out party it seems like colorado has arrived i think lightning will be back um, I mean, they're pretty strong, but that East is such a grinder. So uh, congrats to, to Colorado, deserving. And it was awesome. And oh, yeah, shout out to Darren Helm, St. Andrews, Manitoba. They're going to have to change the sign now. Uh, Cup's coming cup. back. The yeah. Cup's coming back, by the way. I love the way you just slid in that little Mauriceism with the uh, the grinder. What a great I, I didn't say, I know, <laughs> I didn't, it wasn't intentional. Yes, you it did. It just flies yes, off did. the tongue. It wasn't um, intentional. Hey, you know, it, Nate McKinnon, Kale McCarr, Miko Rantanen, mm. I mean, this team has star power, but many of the most important players of this entire run are UFAs, and we were talking about what Kevin Sheveldayoff has on his hands. Joe Sackick's got a lot of work to do. No, I will say you're probably in a much better position trying to re-sign guys and get them to come back for maybe more affordable deals when they're staying with the Stanley Cup championship squad. We've certainly seen that happen in Florida with the Tampa Bay Lightning before. But of the players, I mean, uh, Obe Kubel and Arturi Lekkonen are RFAs, both with arbitration. And then Burakovsky, Cogliano, Helm, Nazem Kadri, Valerie Nukushkin, and Sturm, all unrestricted free agents. And uh, Jack, Jack Johnson, Josh Manson, Ryan Murray as well in that group. We didn't really see much of Ryan Murray in the playoffs. Um, the defense is set for the most part, at least for the next season. Uh, but they're, listen, there are going to be some guys that will be definitely ready to earn big raises. I'm not sure that they're going to get them in Colorado. Um, but with all the good vibes of winning a cup, I think your chances of keeping a Burakovsky or a Cogliano or especially Kadri and Nishushkin might go up a little bit because who the hell would want to leave that team right now considering what they just accomplished? Yeah, I looked at this after. They have a lot of cap space and they do have some guys this is what you need to when you need guys on ELCs or low dollar contributing. I mean, New Hook, New Hook uh, Logan O'Connor, and then on the defense, uh, McCarr's $9 million. Uh, what thing? That's next year. And who do they have? Uh, Taves. That's a nice contract. Bowen Byram's got one more year on an ELC. So they're looking looking pretty good. And this was a team that was in last place, like dead last in, what, 2017? And I was here wondering, is Joe Sackick one of those legend NHL players who comes in and is a totally terrible GM. 
I loved, you know, I watched the whole celebration. I loved watching them raise the cup. It was so cool seeing Joe Sackick raise it as a GM after watching him as a player. I have a Sackick uh, here's by me. Sackick 91 Canada uh, jersey. So uh, very fond memories of watching him. So that was awesome. Um, just into this, going back to the celebration. Uh, Kadri saying he couldn't tie his skates. That, uh, had to get someone. And then crazy. Nikut. And I mean, the fact that he scored that, like the goal that he scored in game four, the OT winner, um, you know, is, is iconic goal when it comes yes. to avalanche. I mean, just the way that it happened, him coming off, being injured, knowing what was going on with his hand. Um, you know, that to me really stands out amongst this incredible run. And man, 16 and four running the gauntlet. Beating the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, yeah, there's a, there was a, was a reason that this was the favorite going into the season, why they stayed the betting favorite throughout the year. It usually doesn't end up that way, uh, but they were full marks, and despite not having a Shesterkin or a Vasilevsky, Darcy Kemper was more than good enough to get the job done, and when you saw the way they played as a team in that final game, and especially that third period, there's a lot of goalies that probably would have benefited from being in that system, and uh, hey, Cup staying in Denver, but it is on to the offseason officially right now. And as I mentioned, we're going to talk a little bit more about the cup final with uh, Tom Gazzola uh, and then dive into some of the more juicier topics in and around the home team here. And that, of course, the Winnipeg Jets. And when Jeff joins us, we'll also kick around a big, big weekend in the Canadian Football League. All right, before we get to Tom Gazzola, Big thanks to our friends. I mentioned Vita Health. Great event on Saturday. Thanks so much to everyone that came out. And great to see you, Matt and Kelly and Bonte there. Um, really appreciate their support. Of course, Vita Health is the spot where you'll get great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. Had some delicious bison burgers you can get there as well. And other great stuff for the barbecue, including things like delicious lean bison steaks or chicken. And hey, if you can't make it to the store, visit their brand new fully shoppable website to buy online or schedule a delivery or in-store pickup. Uh, Wallace and Wallace is everywhere right now. You're seeing their fences and trucks all over the city as Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. Uh, if you need the protection and security of a new fence or if winter did a number on your old one, they got you covered. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. And if it's time to replace your garage door, Wallace and Wallace also has Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. You can give them a buzz at 452-2700. One of the experts will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. And you can also visit them online at wallacefences.com or pop into their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Uh, the guys at F Apparel are ready for wedding season. Uh, depending on how old you are, you know, if you're probably around Remus's age, you've got a number of weddings, um, mm -hmm. been, many of them that have been put off for the last couple of years. So it's always a good time to get into a new suit. And uh, every guy needs at least one that fits and looks great. And F's custom-made suits start at just $400. They've also got a number of great things, shirts, ties, accessories, golf pants, and more. So pop down and see him at 190 Smith Street. If you are having a wedding, Talk to them about a great program, a 15% discount for the entire wedding party when you get your suits over at F Apparel. And, of course, you can find out more. Make an appointment online at F, that's E-P-H-Apparel.com. And, hey, a big cheers to the gang over at Aikens Lake. Saw a couple more monster trophy fish coming out of the lake on the weekend on the Aikens social feeds. Follow them at Aikens Lake on Instagram and certainly on Twitter. And uh, if you're thinking about an amazing fly-in fishing adventure here in the city of Winnipeg, where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city, 
Aikens Lake is the spot. They're having the busiest season ever. There still is some limited availability this, this season, or you can start planning next year for whether it's a family and friends trip or a corporate outing. There's nothing like the action and, of course, the people out at Aikens Lake. They're at online at AikensLake.com. All right, Hamilton coming up. We're going to dive into where the Jets go from here on the coaching search and more trade scuttlebutt and, of course, a look ahead to the draft. Uh, but first off, let's put a bow on the Stanley Cup final in this season and wrap the cup final with our buddy Tom Gazzola from TSN in Edmonton. Tom, what's going on? Great to have you back on the program. I'm good. Guys, uh, what a weekend in Edmonton. Sun and a lot of thunderstorms. I, I'm one of those people that gets like affected by the weather. I know, I think it's kind of like a Canadian thing. You know how we always, how's the weather over there? It, it bothers me. Like I wanted to have a really nice summer day on Sunday. And, and Mike was bringing up the fact that, yeah, I was on my balcony tanning. But it lasted for like 20 minutes because a thunderstorm rolled in. And, and like every day here for the last two and a half weeks has been rain. So the, the golf conditions are great if you miss the rain. Yeah, no doubt. I'm sure the bugs aren't too good, though, uh, either. I mean, it comes with the territory when yeah. you've got that much water around. Well, I'll tell you what, maybe Mother Nature's been holding off, but we could really use that summer weather because the summer is officially here because the Stanley Cup final is in the books and the Colorado Avalanche are Stanley Cup champs. I imagine there's not a lot of people surprised around Edmonton considering the way the Avs handled the Oilers in the conference finals uh, of what took place today, but or last night, I should say. Uh, but Tom, what did you think of the final overall? And uh, were you surprised that the Avalanche were able to do what they did last night on the road in Tampa against uh, a team that's been so resilient over the last three seasons? Kudos to Tampa Huss. Tampa was great these last three years, uh, true warriors. And and you know what? They fall just short of that dynasty moniker, but can't take anything away from them after what they were able to do. Now, like in terms of being surprised, uh, I was kind of surprised that Tampa was able to force six games. I was expecting it to go six or seven prior to the series starting. But with the way that Colorado really dominated huge portions of those games, I think of the way... Uh, the game ended yesterday with the Lightning kind of just clinging on and scraping and doing everything it could, blocking shots, taking away passing lanes. Like, they were just holding on by a thread. And same with Game 4. I know they lost Game 4 on that Kadri goal, but good for them to bounce back and get the win in Colorado and force a Game 6. So a, a true, you know, hat tip to them for being able to do that. But this Avs team uh, built to win. The depth is excellent. We got a front row seat to it here in Edmonton during the third round. And the Avs wanted it. And, you know, the legacy begins, as Kale McCarr described earlier before the series started. And, and you know what? Nothing to take away from the Lightning. But it was a good series. It was entertaining. And it did go six. And now, uh, like you said, finally the summer can begin. It feels like it's drawn and dragged out for a long time, but here we are. And and now we can talk about the draft and free agency. So what summer? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, we're getting right into it. And of course, uh, you're here in Winnipeg. We've still got a head coach to hire. So uh, it'll give us no shortage of topics to get going on to. But I mean, just wrapping up this series overall, you mentioned Kale McCarr. I mean, I think we'll probably look back and I hate to say we can't call this a a coming out party because his coming out party, frankly, happened when he debuted in the playoffs a few right. years ago. And we were going, oh my God, but now we've got a Calder Trophy, a Norris Trophy, a Conn Smythe Trophy, a Stanley Cup ring before the age of, well, by 23. I got to say, uh, Tommy, 
Kale McCarr, with where he is right now, is destined to potentially, if he continues his career the way that it started, you know, be up there in the pantheon of the greatest defenseman in NHL history and, uh, you know, one of the top players of this era. Yeah, and it's been a while since we can say that about, like, a, a phenom this early in his career. And I get, you know what, he's a couple of years in us, but what he's built here has been tremendous. And the electrifying goals, the smart plays, the uh, fantastic micro touches at the blue line to avoid and mitigate an offside on a beautiful goal late in a period in the playoffs at a clutch moment. Brilliant, right? <laughs> that one's still resonating that? in Northern Alberta, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I had to just toss that one in there, but this guy is just a superstar already. It is a pleasure to watch him and, and to see the creativity and the vision and the speed and the ability to adapt. But you know what, Huss? Yesterday, he was in on the forecheck in the corner with less than 30 seconds left in the game, making sure that he was eating up seconds on that clock. The guy does it all. And um, truly, like, a, a, an absolute superstar already. And we get to watch him and enjoy what he does for the next, you know, 10, 15 years. And then when he faces the teams that we cover, you know, we'll talk about him tearing them up and, and just – Posing them at certain moments, and that's just the nature of the beast, but truly uh, an awe-inspiring player that a lot of kids are going to start looking up to. So in five, six years, we're going to start hearing guys at the draft being, well, I really round my game out to be like Kale McCarr, and it's like, that's a pretty damn good defenseman to build your game after. Well, and you know what? I mean, the McCarr-Taves pairing has been so successful, and I think we honestly normally sort of um, you know, default to giving the quote-unquote more defensive defensemen the credit for what they're doing in their own end um, because they're sort of holding it down while the other guy does all those amazing things. I mean, this goes back to the Oilers series with what McCarr was able to do using his speed to limit McDavid's opportunities. And, like, for all the great things that he does offensively, and it's as good as anybody in the game, Kale McCarr is no defensive liability whatsoever, and we really saw that in spades, uh, especially last night. The cerebral, uh, great hockey mind, understands. And it's not even having to be physical. There's different ways to break up cycles in your own zone. There's different ways to take away opportunities. The, the one thing, and I, I'm glad you brought up the defensive side of, of McCarr's game, and you could even extend it to the Avs as a whole. Us is, is they like just totally choked out the lightning in the final and and that was whenever the lightning were, was in colorado's zone you were watching tampa try to move the puck around and you're watching stamkos kucherov guys like that struggling to make plays because guys like mccarr were right on top of them Devontae is right on top of them and then the forwards were good on their backtracking and and they just choked out the lightning they did it to the oilers they did it to dry and mcdavid and they've done it to teams, victimized them all year long. And yeah, and Makar is is not a liability in his own zone. Well-rounded defenseman. And then he's just gifted with the ability to, to create offense and to see plays that, you know, most of us didn't even know were there. And so it just speaks to how good he is. And, and I thought Gabriel Landeskog, when he was doing his interview with Emily Kaplan on the ESPN broadcast yesterday, uh, when he was asked about like the difference and, and what put them over the top. He's like, go get a Kale McCarr. Yeah, no kidding. Like, I think that sums it up nicely. <laughs> uh, hard to believe he lasted till he did. I think he was, what, fourth overall pick. Certainly if they're redrafting that uh, draft of five years ago, which is always a fun exercise to do, 
think it's pretty clear who the number one pick would be. Tom Gazzola is with us from TSN in Edmonton, just recapping the Stanley Cup final. Um, you know, you gave the credit where credit is due, and the run that Tampa has had over the course of, like, in the salary cap year is, is truly amazing. They do have some built-in advantages, the state tax, I think a lot of players, and their level of success. Guys bought in to maybe stick around for less than they might get on the open market. Um, but as far as it goes, I mean, we saw a team, and you were exactly right, they did get, it was like a boa constrictor. I mean, just sucking the, the life out of a team. They didn't have a lot late. And I think, certainly from my perspective, it almost seems like the gauntlet that they had to run through in the East uh, didn't leave them a lot of gas left in the tank. Um, and, and right now, I mean, from my perspective, Tom, I mean, there's a significant gap between the Avalanche and everybody else in the Western Conference uh, how impactful do you think was the fact that they had to go Leafs, Panthers, Rangers, and then go up against the uh, Western Division cha- Western Conference champions in Colorado? I'll add in too that they went down in a couple of those series before they even got to the Cup yeah. final and went down in that one. And like Hus, that's got to be tough mentally. That's a grind, and their championship caliber uh, spirit to survive and win. You know, kudos to them and John Cooper keeping this group uh, and the belief system that that we talk about like they maintain that and they relied upon that and it, it propelled them to those victories uh in the first three rounds i know the the florida series could have been more exciting and and i thought that you know the Panthers would put more of a fight up but the way they handled the rangers and battled back that was great the way they handled the leafs when after going down uh two nothing people in toronto were saying this is the year us, this is the year. Toronto's going to get out of the first round. We've heard that one. Not so fast. And uh, I mean, that, you know, for the rest of Canada, you're kind of watching with a, an eyebrow raise. You're like, oh, really? Okay, well, we'll see. And sure enough, the Lightning come back and, and win it. And you're right. It is a gauntlet. And I, I really like what the Rangers put together. I think the Rangers have a tremendous team. And it's nice to see them having that coming out party, so to speak. Um, but I'll, I'll also include this as well when it comes to the Lightning. They lost a lot of really good players over the last couple of years. Uh, Tyler Johnson, Yanni Gord, uh, guys that that really helped make this team and put them over the top. And then they replaced them with good players. I thought the Brandon Hagel trade was a smart one. Uh, Corey Perry, I know people like to mock the three years in a row losing Stanley Cup. That's fine, but like he's a good player. Like They brought in good players to fill holes at lesser price points, and they were still right there. And, if Braden Point was was not injured, maybe they would be a little bit closer to catching the abs and making it interesting, a break here or there. But, yeah, they, they still ended up chasing games, but the Lightning are a, a strong team, formidable, and I'm sure they will be again next year. I wouldn't be surprised if they're right there, but now they've got some challengers. I'm sure the Rangers are retooling and, and are going to be ready to take a run at the, the Lightning. I'm sure Florida now has a, a bad taste in its collective mouth. And now Paul Maurice being there, maybe he could put them over the top. I don't want to rub salt in the wound. And I know you made a tremendous uh, pitch to Barry Trotz. And I know Winnipeg is dealing with that. That's That sucks. But there's, there's some good teams in the East. And um, we'll see what happens with the Floridas, the New Yorks, and, and the like to see if they can actually take a run at the Lightning and uh, knock them off the Eastern Conference throne. Well, certainly, I mean, looking at the Central Division right now, I mean, St. Louis is still a pretty good team. I mean, Dallas, I never know what to expect from Dallas, but, you know, they'll have Peter DeBoer there. I'd imagine they'll be more competitive. Uh, The Blackhawks seemingly in rebuild. The Predators right now in a very interesting situation. We'll see what happens with Philip Forsberg. 
Uh, but there's a very clear top dog right now in the division and in yep. the West, and they are the uh, holders of the Stanley Cup. What was the narrative amongst Oilers fans? I mean, listen, I, I, from a distance, it seemed like beating the Calgary Flames the way they did in the first Battle of Alberta in 30 years basically made this season an unmitigated success no matter what. But no, I, mean, I think everyone would have liked to see that series go a little bit further. People feeling better about themselves the way the Avalanche handled the back-to-back <laughs> Stanley Cup champs, or uh, were people just basically done and look enjoyed the series like any hockey fan would, knowing that their team was out? Yeah, we we like to joke on uh, the Nielsen Show whenever I fill in and whenever I'm joining Dusty is off season, what off season? There's some Oilers fans that think that because of how well the Avalanche handled Tampa, even though it went six games, it kind of makes the Oilers look not as bad or slightly better. No, they were schooled. <laughs> they lost it four straight. Whatever they tried didn't work against the Avs. And, and it doesn't change my opinion. They just weren't good enough. But uh, for some in this city, God bless them, it makes them feel a little bit better going into the next season. So the Battle of Alberta win in five games, the way it went down, did make this season a success for Oilers fans. And, and the swings this year when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers us were just crazy and and that's something that needs to be eliminated next year it's going to be a different looking team there's going to be so many moving parts to this offseason for ken holland and we don't know what's going to happen we're still waiting to find out if duncan keith and mike smith want to come back that'll kind of set the course for the offseason for this oilers team but if edmonton wants to be in the mix it's got the core it's been proven now they went to the third round and it's just a, a matter of making some tweaks molding it to be a, a team that could potentially challenge the Colorado Avalanche. But like you said, the Avs are, are up here. Edmonton and, and the other teams are still, you know, by a large margin, not quite there. Hey, listen, if you think Ken Holland has uh, a long to-do list for this offseason, wait till you see what Chevy's got going on here in Winnipeg <laughs> right now, which, of course, is going to get to it. Uh, Tommy, this was awesome. Hey, just quickly, you mentioned, I mean, quick turnaround. We got the draft next week, yep. free agency shortly afterwards. I mean, that that comment about offseason, what offseason, I don't think has ever been more appropriate right now because, um, you know, we're already going to start seeing. We see Timothy Lilligren signed today with the Toronto Maple Leafs, a two-year extension. Um for all the other 30 teams that weren't participating in the Stanley Cup, uh, if anything was on hold, it's going to get done right now. This is going to be a wild few weeks, especially here in Winnipeg, but I'd suggest around the league. Yeah, I think you're 100% right, Huss. Buckle up, because I think there's going to be a lot of movement, and uh, we'll see how things shake out in the next few weeks. I, I can't believe the draft is coming. I, I just, I'm like, oh, the draft, right. Yes, there's that. So uh, not something that's really on my radar, but will have to be soon, and then, I like that free agency is July 13th. We get to enjoy Canada Day. I remember yes. so many Canada Days being stuck at the rink, uh, at the Oilers' offices, waiting for press conferences, and, uh, and everyone else is just enjoying the splendor of a beautiful Canada Day. Not this year, my friend. We get to enjoy it as well. Well, listen, you enjoy that weekend and enjoy a couple days before things get crazy next week. Hey, just before we go, Tom, you tipped your hat to the Tampa Bay Lightning I have a question. What is that hat? Ah, uh, this is the uh, West Coast uh, League's Edmonton Riverhawks that uh, have just started playing. Randy Gregg, former Oiler defenseman, is a majority owner of the team. He redid the ballpark in downtown Edmonton's beautiful, great, great time. And uh, they, the merch, the blue on blue, is a, is a great look. So the Riverhawks. Is it are, ever? 
Yeah, Dusty was at the game yesterday. Uh, I went with Lieutenant Eric from our station a couple weeks ago and Cam Moon as well. And uh, great apparel, obviously, and a great time. So we don't have uh, independent league baseball anymore. I know you guys have the gold eyes, but our new team is the Edmonton Riverhawks. And so far, so good, Huss. It's been fantastic. And when you got great looking gear, you know, you got you to gotta support them and rock it. Well, it's a sharp lid. I did see Dusty and his munchkins there having a good time yesterday. And I did see you and LTE there enjoying the beer bats and yep. the beer bat stock. We drank them out of them here in Winnipeg in the first homestand. Talking. The fish are back tomorrow. And uh, so are the beer bats. And listen, I was hoping that there was going to be a game seven tomorrow night, but there's not. So good thing we've got a baseball game to go to. Gaz, have a great one, man. Thanks so much for doing this. Say hi to the boys. Will do. Thanks for having me, Huss. All right, good stuff with Tom Gazzola wrapping up the Stanley Cup final. We'll have a little bit more on the NHL offseason around the league with Dave McCarthy, who's going to join us tomorrow from NHL.com. All right, Hamilton will pop in in just a couple of minutes. Um, do you want to thank our friends at Culligan Water for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk? They're the leaders in water services and delivery in Manitoba, and they've been doing it as a family-owned business for over 65 years with everything you need. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, drinking water systems, and whole home systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether you uh, need water for your home, the cottage this summer, or the office, Culligan has you covered. 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694-5180, or you can hit them up at drinkculligan.com. Uh, our, the gang at Manitoba Battery is ready for summer. Uh, we mentioned that Donnie and the gang working a little OT for y'all right now. Open until 8 p.m. for spring and summer because we know how important it is for many of you to get your work done, get the things that you can do during the week so that you can max out on R&R and uh, enjoying the Manitoba summer. It looks like it's actually going to be a pretty good long weekend right now. So if you need a battery for the boat, a Sea-Doo, uh, maybe you're going to be working on a car, golf cart, whatever you need. Manitoba Batteries got you covered. And they, the big thing is that you'll save time and money over the big box stores. Get the best prices in town. Shop local at Manitoba Battery. They are at 1026 Logan Avenue, 7387.87 or online at manitobabattery.com. Another massive tent sale at Royal Sports on the weekend. If you missed out, don't worry. With all the inventory that Royal has, there certainly will be another tent sale or two. And the best way to stay on top of that is certainly pay attention to one. We'll tell you about it on Winnipeg Sports Talk and to follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina. Um, but hey, Royal every day of the year is the sports fan's dream. Uh, merchandise from around the National Hockey League, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, International Soccer, and more. Um, and considering, hey, it's time to get outside and enjoy the summer, soccer equipment, softball, baseball, bikes, fitness, and a ton of new disc golf gear as well. So uh, pop into Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. Tell them the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you and get ready to dominate summer with our friends at Royal Sports. And hey, speaking of uh, dominating summer, Man, we had a great time at Little Brown Jug on the weekend, and um, I'm sure there was a few 1919s enjoyed over the course of the last couple days. And, uh, hey, you might want to make a point of getting your Little Brown Jug ordered in advance. And if you want to do that, you can get home delivery from Little Brown Jug by going online to littlebrownjug.ca. They've also got a great promo right now for you folk festies. 
If you buy a 2-4 of the brand new Folk Fest lager that Little Brown Jugs made for the Folk Fest, you'll be entered to win a four-pack of tickets right now if you buy your beers from the uh, tap room down on William Avenue where you did the show. So uh, pop by and see them. I know the Earl was quaffing the queer beer this weekend, said it was a, a, a very, very popular one. I was more loving the 1919s. I had the cider on Friday as well, though it was great. Anyways, but whatever you need for the long weekend, Little Brown Jugs got you covered. But if you pop in, you can get in on that deal for Folk Fest tickets from Little Brown Jug. All right, let's get back to the Jets, the offseason, and the bombshell we learned while we were live at Little Brown Jug on Friday afternoon. Barry Trotz, thanks, but no thanks for the Winnipeg Jets. Where do they go from here? Jeff Hamilton of the Free Press joins us now. Hammer, what's up, man? How was the weekend? Oh, you know, just another uh, solid couple days off. I was, uh, I'm trying to think what I did. I know that's a question you always ask me, but I feel Gallivanting, like garage sailing no, and gallivanting. Garage wasn't, no, it was not a garage sale weekend because I uh, pulled the plug because of all that rain. Not a lot of uh, people want to sell their junk when it's uh when it's pouring rain and and certainly flooding i don't know if you saw you know different areas of the city but if people were canoeing and everything so yeah not exactly the perfect day to go out so we skip i i saw just speaking of that storm on friday heading into the bomber game the airport um rain meter or whatever however they get the get the numbers had 50 millimeters of rain in 30 minutes an all-time record in Winnipeg. Now, this was very spotty. It wasn't the same, yeah. you know, depending on where you were in the city. Uh, but, yeah, it was quite a way to uh, bring in. And, of course, I, I had Dustin Nielsen was on the show Friday afternoon. I said, hey, dude, uh, we've seen these Friday night games with this sort of weather before. Just be ready to tap dance. And sure enough, they uh, had to wait an extra 45 minutes. But, listen, we'll get to the Bombers and the CFL mm -hmm. afterwards. Um you know, we've spent uh, quite a bit of time talking about the Jets head coaching search, knowing that they were very much in on Barry Trotz. They were being patient. They were waiting it out. He was clearly their number one choice. Unfortunately for the Winnipeg Jets and many fans were quite excited about it. That is not happening. What did you make of the decision by Barry and where does that leave the Winnipeg Jets going into this week and less than two weeks away from making selections in Montreal? Yeah, I mean, I think this was a possibility right from the get-go, right? When when Barry Trotz was, you know, let go from the New York Islanders, everyone knew he still had one more year left on that deal, which means he'd get paid whether he sat on his, you know, his hands or or was behind a bench. And um, so understanding that, you know, that was certainly a possibility. It was it became pretty clear over time um, that that was kind of his top priority. Was you know almost was he needed to be convinced. To, to coach again because of, of, of the chance to, you know, really sit out a year and do all the things he hasn't done. I, I forget what he said, but it was something like 26 years or something coaching straight. I might, that might, that number might even be low. Um, but you know, and, and when you're a coach, you don't get a ton of your off season, um, you know, off, you're always kind of planning for next year, especially if the, if the year didn't go as planned. And as we know, only one, only one team really, uh, you know, really, really goes that direction. So, you know, I, but, but as time went on, um, you know, as you mentioned, Huss, I think it was clear that Winnipeg was, it be kind of came Winnipeg or bus, you know, we talked last week, you know, the, the terms of, of that contract, everything that he wanted, he was given, it was just deciding on whether or not he was willing to take it. And, um, you know, again, I think there's indicators there, you know, when Vegas moved on, when Philly moved on, um, you know, I think those are organizations that weren't willing to, you know, quote unquote, wait it out. I think the Jets were certainly were, were willing to wait it out, you know, 
from what I understand, they had several meetings, you know, went back and forth, uh, you know, quite a bit, changed, changed the deals and, and, and really accommodated Barry Trotz in the event that he was ready to take on what would be, you know, a significant role here with the Winnipeg Jets. And, um, you know, again, as Vegas and, and other, you know, other, you know, Philly and other places filled their, their coaching roles, the Jets were still, you know, still willing to wait. And I think, you know, as we, as we heard more and more reports come out, out about when he was going to make the decision, I think Barry Trotz realized, look, I, you know, I can't be, I can't be holding on to this. And, and, you know, when, when I'm really not convinced I'm going to coach. And so he let the Jets know before that, that candidate deadline that we kept hearing about. And, and I think that was, you know, I think that was the right thing to do. Uh, you know, if you're going to, if you need four more days to convince yourself, um, chances are, you know, you, you don't really want it right now, but I'm sure it was a tough decision. I'm sure true North, you know, threw everything at him and, and, you know, really, really did have a hard push, but um, at the end of the day, he, he chose his family and he chose, uh, you know, taking that year off and, and rethinking things for, for next season. As far as the Winnipeg Jets, the new search continues. I mean, the Jets didn't sit on their hands and, and not reach out to teams. They don't, didn't go full throttle in, in, into second interviews, but they certainly had a couple first interviews, a few interview, first interviews, certainly reached out to, to other, you know, potential prospects. Um, and now that Barry Trotz is off the off the board, I think that's going to heat up. I'd go as far as beginning today. I think you know you're going to look at second interviews for guys like Jim Montgomery, Rick Tockett, um, you know, guys who were kind of in the mix before. You know that you know the Jets you know, probably have, or have reached out to to Kirk Muller where, where, wherever that might go. We'll see. But um, there's you know I think there's a long list there, and it'll be it'll be fascinating to see which direction the Jets go in, whether that's a more experienced coach or, or, you know, go a different way and, and maybe someone who's, who's less, I don't want to say qualified, but less experienced as a, as a main bench boss. Well, I mean, with all the uncertainty about what happens going forward, and I think a lot of things really were on hold until the trots question was answered. And now they have that. I'm really interested as to how that might affect what they do going forward. I mean, we, we sort of Remus and I were talking about it. And I'm looking at the the roster. You look at the team, the the players that are that are signed, and a number of the forwards, particularly, are signed. We've been hearing potentially mentioned in trade rumors. And do you think, Jeff, that the fact that Barry Trotz is not coming, and, and I think the the hope would be that you'd have a you know a Hall of Fame coach like that coming in that would be able to very quickly get the team back on track, much like he did on the island. If you don't have a guy with that proven resume and you're talking about potentially moving a Blake Wheeler, moving a Mark Shifley, um, you know, the, the Pierre-Luc Dubois news that we've come that, you know, will potentially force the Jets into making a deal at some point, albeit not right now. Might we see even more player movement and some more significant moves and maybe players that we haven't been talking about now because of essentially a window changing, getting more active in the draft and maybe kicking this can down the road a little bit? I'm not certainly not suggesting they're going to blow it up or try to tank, but you know, m might the path change a little bit because of what we learned on Friday? You know, I don't know Huss, if it necessarily changes. I, you know, I thought that if Barry Trotz came in, that would have resulted in change. Change doesn't mean, you know, blowing, thing, blowing things up and, and, you know, starting over with. I don't think that's the, you know, the Jets, that's not the Jets plan. Like, I mean, that can't be the Jets plan. They, they don't have a team that, you know, warrants a rebuild, you know, or, or warrants, you know, blowing things up or sending guys away. Now, if the right offers were to come for the right players and whether that meant, you know, moving into a, a higher draft pick. And when I say higher draft pick, I mean, within the top five. Yeah, those deals might become enticing looking towards the future. I mean, we know the Jets 
need help in the back end. Even with the even with the changes they made over last summer, defense has remained an issue. Under trots, I think there would have been, you know, I'd go so far as suggest perhaps dramatic change with the team just to fit his coaching style. Now, you know, I think with the other with other coaches, whether that, you know, be or anyone else really besides Barry Trotz, I think the Jets were looking for plans or visions that involved everyone that they have. Where, where, where we get into some interesting things, and I think this has nothing to do with the coach, uh, you know, whoever the coach might be, I think it has everything to do with the players, is the Jets' hand might be getting forced here with a couple, you know, unhappy campers, you know, whether that be, you know, Mark Shifley, whether that, you know, we, we've heard reports that Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, has, has told the Jets that he wants to, you know, test free agency in a couple seasons. I mean, you know, those kind of things, if you know you're sitting on, uh, you know, if you're sitting on potential ticking time bombs and, and you and you and you don't know how you're going to convince that player uh, to stick around beyond, you know, that, you know, in PLD's case, two, two more seasons, then I think you, you know, I think other teams are also really are also looking into that. And so your opportunity might be coming knocking just based on other teams coming to you rather than being proactive. I think the Jets might find themselves in situations to be reactive, depending on what teams call them and, and depending on what pieces they're willing to part with. We know that, you know, the Jets have a lot of talented players, whether that's Mark Shifley, whether that's Pierre-Luc Dubois, whether that's guys like Nick Ehlers. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of players on this team that that other clubs would covet and, and you know, potentially give big pieces back. So, you know, it, it might not be a thing where the Jets are going, okay, we need to change everything up. It might be a situation where the Jets look at, look at their options and, and just know that they need to build a bit of a, a different culture uh, and be a, a different roster, particularly when it comes around building up, you know, their defense. And so, you know, and, and, you know, we, we, we talked about, or we have talked about, and we've heard reports on some of, you know, some of the players that, you know, you know, are, are disgruntled or are, are coming off tough seasons. You know, I think there's more people in that group that just haven't been reported. I, you know, I'd be curious to know what other players are thinking um, you know, outside of, you know, the Mark Shifley's and, and, and the Pierre-Luc Dubois and, and, and guys that we've you know, already read reports on, you know, what other players are thinking as far as, you know, their futures and, and what opportunities could come, you know, for the Jets, uh, you know, in, in that regard. But, you know, ultimately boils down to, and we've been saying this for months, is that this is going to be an incredibly fascinating offseason. And the reality is it's been based on, you know, a coach that is not coming anymore. So now, you know, you need to get that guy in place. You have the draft coming up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, there's lots to happen and there's lots of pieces that you want to put in in place. So I expect this search uh, for the next, you know, for the, for the the next head coach to happen fairly quickly uh, and get somebody in there. So you can start giving not only not only getting some answers for what what your future looks like, but also giving some answers to some players on that roster that that are probably wondering, you know, who's going to be behind the bench next season. No doubt about it. Hey, just quickly before we continue, great crowd in here. I know a lot of you are new and maybe you found us recently. Make sure you hit that red subscribe button and join us each and every day here at 1 p.m. live. And, of course, you can watch it anytime. But if you have the subscription, it certainly helps us grow the channel. And when you hit YouTube, you'll have the latest content from Winnipeg Sports Talk ready and waiting for you. Um, now I can't remember what day we spoke last week, but I think it was after the report from Frank about Wheeler, um, you know, appearing on his trade bait board, not just appearing on it, going up to number three on the board. And, you know, the report from Elliot Friedman and others that, you know, there might be some 
mutual agreement from both team and player um, that a change of scenery might be beneficial to both sides. And I'll just say this. You brought up Pierre-Luc Dubois, and I understand why people are, you know, you know, were a little bit bent when they heard that. But I, I'll be honest. I really don't take too much of it other than this is a, a very good player that, you know, reads the room and knows the his options, you know, in two years. And if I'm his agent, I'm certainly saying, hey, you know what? Well, the plan right now is to you know, see what happens over the next couple of years and, and test unrestricted free agency. Um, I think the Jets will have every opportunity to change things around, hopefully have a good season, have a much better locker room, a great better atmosphere. And at that point, you can see whether there might be the potential to keep this player long-term. And if not, you make the deal then. And we've seen that happen over and over again with club, with other players that they weren't able to sign like a Jacob Truba and ended up getting some big, some pretty big value. The Wheeler one is really interesting though, because of course he is the central figure in this hockey club. He has been the leader was tied very closely to coach Paul Maurice. Who's not here anymore. Um, what, what do you make of that, Jeff? And, and just in your opinion, how, possible and how significant would moving the captain out of Winnipeg be to where this team goes next season? Well, yeah, I'll start by saying I'm with you with Pierre-Luc Dubois, just because he's at this moment feeling like, you know, he's, you know, given everything that's happened with this past season and, and really the uncertainty heading into this year, and we're going to get more certainty, uh, you know, as, as the weeks and, and months move on here. Um, there's absolutely like, it's completely understandable that he's, you know, thinking about moving or, or isn't happy with where he is. And and the other thing to take into consideration with that Huss is that a lot of the time these reports, I mean, you know, he's got two more years for sure to be here if they don't trade him. So it's often, you know, if talks aren't going the way you want them to go, or if you, you know, you want to let other teams know certain things or whatever, you get reports out there, usually from a player's agent to just garner some interest, right? Garner some demand because, if you all of a sudden get all these teams calling about you, maybe that you know, maybe your dollar value goes up or or something like that. So you know, as much as those comments aren't great to hear, uh, whether you're a fan or whether you're you know a member of the Winnipeg Jets, I don't think that those comments are are cemented as some kind of you know uh, situation where in two years he's definitely gone. So, um, but as far as Blake Wheeler, I mean, he's kind of got the how much would it change this organization? I mean, from a dollars and cents perspective, you know, somewhat significantly in the sense that, you know, Blake Wheeler is the highest cap hit on the team. And, you know, while I'm sure any trade for the most part will have to, you know, include swallowing some of that dollar figure. Um, you know, I think that's certainly part of it. Uh, the other thing too, is if you're looking to do a culture change or you're looking to change the mood or leadership uh, group in your locker room, which I would argue the Jets are trying to do that. Um, you have to probably get rid of your captain. And, you know, I, you know, I just don't know. You either have to change your your captaincy or you have to trade your captain. And in this case, just knowing, you know, what we know about Blake Wheeler is I don't think he's going to be all that comfortable losing a letter on his on his chest after everything he's done for this organization. Um, in that in that vein, I think then you know you kind of have to trade them if that's what you want. Now, the other thing is, is if you're Blake Wheeler, do you want to come back to Winnipeg? I mean, to me, you know, I'm not saying it's unfair, but we've seen the way he's react to criticism. And now, you know, he's been willing to shoulder the load of, you know, and stress of this team season to season. 
but I think we're hitting a point where he's no longer willing to do that. And I suggest that based strictly on the fact that in those reports, Blake Wheeler has also agreed to, you know, waive a no trade or, or, you know, give his teams or is willing to be dealt. And so I think if you're Blake Wheeler, it, it almost seems more daunting to come back to Winnipeg because you're going to get the questions immediately about being on the trade blog, about wanting to be traded, uh, maybe not wanting to be traded, but agreeing, you know, agreeing to be in a deal if, if it comes. Um, the future of this team, I mean, this is a pretty exhausting offseason uh, for, for players and coaches and staff alike. So I don't know if it's that much, if it's all that easy for him to come back. And, 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 and more specifically, I would see this as, you know, Blake Wheeler for, you know, as, you know, as tough as he was, as tough as he is with media, as snarky as he can be and all that stuff, he cares an extremely large amount for this team and organization and he has shouldered a lot of that in previous years and I think you know I think if he if there's anything that he wanted to achieve it was bringing a Stanley Cup to Winnipeg and I think that the the reality is maybe sinking in that he's not going to be the leader that does that and so if you come to that kind of understanding I think it's easier to move on because if you would have asked me two years ago, there'd be no chance in hell Blake Wheeler was leaving. And he'd have to be, you know, dragged out of that building because of how much he had put in, was willing to put into it. Now, I'm not suggesting that if he comes back, he's not willing to put in the work. Um, But what I am saying is that I think the writing's on the wall here, that if you're going to change your identity, if you're going to change the things that, you know, I think you can argue the Jets need to change, and that's culture in the locker room, you kind of have to cut the snake off from its head. And, you know, Blake's wearing a C, you know, he's obviously agreed to some kind of willingness to, to, to be traded. And I think once you start getting those reports out, um, you know, writings on the wall, I, I don't see 26 returning to Winnipeg. I mean, when, when we talk about the actual deal, um, like, I still think that there's many teams that would, you know, be very interested in having Blake Wheeler on their squad. Um, you know, having a player that goes into a team that is contending right now with what he brings, the way that he works and, you know, the way that he can still put up points and, and, and play, you know, he might not be in the same position that he was here in Winnipeg, but have the opportunity to win. I do wonder what that deal would look like though, because I mean, for all the, you know, the issues, you know, internally and, you know, fairly or unfairly, a lot of fingers kind of pointed at Wheeler. That often comes with the territory when you're a longtime captain of a club that has had the problems that they've had seemingly in the dressing room, as we've heard from, you know, many players and just the, you know, frankly, the performance of the club on the ice. Um, I'm sort of with you. You want to change the culture? Will you change some of the culture carriers? And there's no bigger carrier uh, of it than, than Blake Wheeler. I do wonder, though, what that looks for the team. Like, I mean, is this essentially just like hoping for addition by subtraction? Because you're subtracting a lot out of the on-ice product if Blake Wheeler is not on this club and you you aren't getting any significant return for him. And uh, listen, I mean, we spoke about it all last season. I mean, people could speculate about, oh, what would a trade like that look like? But when a guy's 35 years old and has over $8 bucks for two more seasons... That is not the easiest of contracts to move. Um, so I do wonder what a trade would look like and what would be coming back, how much salary would be retained for the Winnipeg Jets, and if they would get anything significant for their roster right now next season, or would it be a matter of, as I said, sort of changing up the um, the culture carriers in here and doing what it takes to allow new guys to step into that role? 
Well, I think that's it. I think it's clearing a bit of space for some guys to rise either in the lineup, either in the you know leadership responsibilities, and as we've been talking about, to change the culture of your locker room. We know how impactful Blake Wheeler is to the locker room, so if you want to change that culture, then you change it through dealing him. Now, as far as a trade goes, uh, two things. I don't think there's a chance that the Jets get something on their roster back um unless they are I, I i can't even think of it because i think of it two different ways i think of it either the jets eating some of the salary which would then you know clear up a certain you know because they're not going to want to eat as a, 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 up enough salary to then bring a prospect over or bring a guy back because i don't know how much sense that makes depending on who the player is obviously but so I see it as twofold. It's either going to be you're going to eat some of the salary, and so you have kind of that. I mean, it sounds so, I don't know, it sounds, sounds kind of an ass comment to be like addition by subtraction because we know how, we you know, Blake Wheeler is still very much a, a good player, but that's ultimately what that would be, right, to clear that space for other people to come back. So, you know, so you've just lost a big contract, you've cleared some money up, and then you've provided opportunity for other players. The other option, and and you know, I'm not the first one to float this out, and it's you know, to me, it's it's just common sense that if you're not going to eat salary, if you're going to gain all that cap room, then you're going to have to put a quote unquote sweetener in it. And now a lot of names have been tossed out there. You know, I you know, I certainly think I'm not agreeing to it, but I certainly think that a guy like Billy Hanola could be on the market. I know a lot of people, you know hate that suggestion and, and argue that he is, you know, the best. And I think you have an argument for sure that he's the, you know, the best defensive prospect in the system. Um, but the reality is, is I don't think he's high up on the depth chart. Um, you know, but I think he's definitely, he's, I know he's below Dylan Sandberg as far as the pecking order hierarchy for defense. So if you look at what the jets have um, and, and, and if they can't, you know, deal somebody on that blue line, then there's not a lot of room. So, you know, I, I could see him potentially, Billy Hano being him, uh, being that sweetener for sure, or another player, another prospect. That's the reality. If you're going to get a team to eat your salary, like, you know, say a Phoenix, you know, an Arizona Coyotes could do, they're not just going to want to eat the salary for eating the sake of the salary. They're going to want some picks or, or, or prospects or players, you know, as well. And so, that would be the cost of, of, of doing, of going that Avenue. Otherwise, you know, not because the reality is that if you're, if you're trying to retain all, you know, or as much cap space as possible, there's only a certain amount of teams in this NHL that could stomach, you know, a, an eight plus million dollar cap hit that, that Wheeler has. So well, let me just, let me just options. interject for one second, because I mean, I've heard this and this is not just, you know, this conversation here, but people mentioned Arizona before. And I of course joked that, Oh, Blake was a, great NCAA player. Maybe you would enjoy the NCAA atmosphere of this junior hockey rink that they're going to be playing in. But I don't think for a second that Blake Wheeler is going to take a contract to essentially go to an advanced retirement home for all intents and purposes of a spot that he's got absolutely no chance to win. I mean, in July 1st. I don't know about that. I, I mean, like, I mean, we're, I, I think you got a case there. Like, I think he wants to win a cup, but I also think, you know, I think, I think the real I think with with Blake is the this the being in Winnipeg, wearing the C, shouldering that responsibility, I think at some point became a a significant burden for him. So, you know, a lot of players seek out and I'm not speaking for Blake Wheeler as much as I guess I am. Just want to, you know, be clear that this is not coming, you know, coming from insight from him or his camp or anything like that, but I I do see a shift. 
because I, you know, I, you know, obviously, of course, if he's got the opportunity to go somewhere where he can win a Stanley cup or go to that, he's going to want to take that opportunity. But I also think, you know, you also have to think of other things like getting away from, you know, the pressures of media, not, not having to be the captain of a team, not having to carry a load. And that can come on a Stanley cup contender. Cause I don't think, Blake Wheeler is going to be traded to a, you know, a contender and all of a sudden be, you know, asked to, to, you know, be a significant part of that leadership group. Um, But I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, necessarily rule out an opportunity or a better situation for his family, a more comfortable situation that doesn't involve all the stresses that come with a, you know, a, a, you know, a, a, a absolute hockey crazed city like Winnipeg. What about Florida? Um, Because I mean, that's a good team and we all know who's uh, behind the bench right now. You know, we've been kind of going over cap friendly, and I know they got Patrick Hornquist with five, who's making five point nine for one more season. What's Bobrovsky making over there? Well, he's making ten, but again, and I kind of floated out, you know, a potential three way deal, you know, with a team like Edmonton that desperately needs a goalie. But I mean, Bob signed that deal as a UFA. He got a full no move. He's making ten million a year, and he's gone. He's on an excellent team. I mean. I don't think he's saying, yeah, I, yeah, okay, I'll go to Edmonton. I'll go to Winnipeg. I'll go anywhere. So I think that it's very, very difficult for them to make happen. Um, but I do think that if there was a logical fit and landing spot for Blake Wheeler, it's pretty easy to connect the dots and think that the Florida Panthers might be a team that there would be some interest in the captain. Hell, Maurice hadn't even had the job for three hours, and he was gushing over Wheeler I've never seen a man that big that can skate that fast on with uh, Jerry um, uh, on with Merrick the other day. So, I mean, I think there is a mutual admiration society. And I mean, he's a guy that, you know, I think for in a situation like that might be a pretty good addition. It's just a matter of, can you make that thing work? And is it in the jets best interest to make that deal? Oh, I don't know. I, you know what? It's obviously a, you know, a fascinating potential coincidence that he landed on Frank Saravalli's, you know, trade trade list at the same time that that Paul Maurice took over the job with the Florida Panthers. Now, could I see it happening? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, we all know just how big a fan, as you mentioned, Paul Maurice is and has been of Blake Wheeler and, and his leadership and stuff like that. But I wonder how much of that was reflective of being in Winnipeg and understanding that if he was going to get his message across in the room, it was going to have to be through 26. Now, I'm not saying that he was, you know, glorifying, you know, Wheeler's toughness and, and play just strictly to, you know, to, to stroke his ego and, and make sure that, you know, they were aligned in their in their thought process. But I just, I find myself in the camp that thinks no way, you know, like, why, why would you? I mean, and of course, there'd be a few things there, right? I mean, they're not exactly in in, you know, a healthy cap situation so the jets would have to eat the salary for that so maybe you would get him at a you know a, a lesser rate uh, than what he's currently getting paid but at the same time i just i wonder how much of blake wheeler and his role within the locker room played into you know paul maurice's decision to ultimately leave i mean he was the leader of the room Paul Maurice said he, you know, ultimately his message wasn't resonating in the room. I just, I don't know. I mean, but at the same time, you know, as I mentioned before, it's not like Blake Wheeler would be, would be acquired by the Panthers and, and thrust into the same role uh, that he had with the Winnipeg Jets, uh, you know, whether that be, you know, utilization on the ice or leadership off it. Um, But I just, I don't know. I just, it would, I'll be honest. They would surprise me despite many people talking about, 
you know, the match made in heaven or, or, you know, all the things that we talked about, why he might be a good fit there. It would surprise me greatly if Blake Wheeler was a Florida Panther next year. All right, Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press with us here. Let's get back to the coaching uh, because that is the story this week uh, as to where they go from here. Um, As we sit here on Monday, coming out of the weekend with the Trots news on Friday, if you had to give your, there we go, the Trots, just Jets head coach watch now on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, Do you have a front runner right now? I mean, uh, if you had to narrow it down to the most likely candidate from what you're hearing, I mean, uh, who would be uh, who would be one, two, three on your list right now, Jeff? One, two, three on my list would be um, who like who I think the who I would like to see as coach of the Jets, who I think the Jets are going to get are, are a bit different. Who I think the the Jets you know will end up with, I think the list of three includes um, Jim Montgomery, Rick Tockett, and I would almost say you know like a like a. Pascal Vincent slash Scott or Arneal as, as a shared third spot. Um, you know, I, I, I said on the show weeks ago uh, that, you know, I think Kirk Muller could do wonders for this team, particularly when it comes to, you know, uh, developing the centermen to play a, you know, a better game. We saw what, what, what happened in Calgary and, and what I've been told is, is Kirk Muller was a big piece of that. I've also been told that Kirk Muller might be the next option for the flames when Daryl Sutter moves on. But, you know, head coaching job opportunities don't happen all that all that often um for guys that don't have necessarily large resumes i'm not saying kirk muller couldn't get another job in in, in a year or two but you also kind of want to jump on on those opportunities as well so um but i just I, I just i don't know i think there's interest there i just don't know if that will be it i, I do think it, it's going to come down to jim montgomery rick talkett or, uh, you know, a, 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 a guy that they know, whether that be Scott Arneal, you know, Pascal Vincent, um, you know, I don't think Elaine Vigneault is necessarily in that group, but just people with that connection. I don't know if they're necessarily pushing for that, um, but I do think there's a couple quality names there at one or two that I think could be, uh, could certainly come in and, and bring that experience and bring, um, you know, that, that resume to, uh, to be a winner. Uh, hey, listen, before we go, and I know bombing is going to come up and we're going to chop it up a little bit more, both on the week in the Canadian Football League and the game on Friday. But uh, Bombers 3-0, and what would you think of the uh, the latest W put up by the squad against the Ticats on Friday night? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, you know, the Bombers are rolling. I mean, 3-0 and is, is, is obviously a great start. We know that it wasn't exactly a, a great uh, opening week for the Bombers. They could have easily lost that one to the Red Blacks, but I feel like they've gotten, you know, progressively better and better each week i mean you look at what they were able and the defense i mean the you know i thought that this defense because of some of the pieces that they lost um weren't going to be as as dominant but we just saw them we've seen them allow one touchdown in 12 quarters and i don't care who you are who you're playing against that's tough to do in the canadian football league so to see that that you know the defense making big plays and and you know, you know that chemistry building, and we're talking about a unit that doesn't even have Brandon Alexander back. Like, I mean, that you know, I think that's going to be a massive piece added once once he's ready to go from his knee injury. But um, you know, I think there certainly, if you look at special teams, obviously kicking and Mark Leggio have been a storyline. I thought I thought Mark had a had a solid game against the the Ticats uh, on Friday, and and you know, continues to earn trust of his coaches and teammates to be out there. And you know that confidence, you know, he needs those games like that to, to uh, you know, to up his confidence. And if you look at the offense, I mean, Michael Couture's out right now, right? And and Jeff Gray is still, although he's been around for, for years with this team, he's still getting used to, to everyday work and, and that chemistry. So 
Um, and that that's same for the you know for the the running game. I mean Brady Oliveira and and Johnny Augustine. I mean they've the running game's been okay at points, but there's certainly more to give there. And so if you look at the offense here as they continue to build chemistry, they're just going to get better, um, like most teams. But at this point, it almost kind of feels like a two horse race. Uh, the Bombers in BC, even though I know Calgary's three and zero, it just seems like you know the Bombers are are rolling. Um, and again, you know that whole narrative of the potential three peat is still very much intact. Now, BC, I mean, that performance by Nathan Rourke. And I mean, I end up, I do the picks for the, the CFL every week with Nielsen. Uh, went three and one against the spread. That was great. But I did say that my my number one confidence pick was that Toronto would be right in this game. And uh, oh, they didn't no, even Huss. show up for that game. That was, uh, I guess when you're lo- going to lose one, lose it big. And they did that. But what a what a wild, uh, wild day for uh, for um, uh, for Nate Rourke. Anyways, we're going to get to that with bombing. We'll see, how, uh, we'll see how long we'll see how long he's in the CFL for. Well, listen, that's a great point. I mean, you know that there's going to be some people taking notice. And he's a guy that played at Ohio University. I mean, it's not like he's coming out of U of M or Calgary or like, you know, just a three down ball. He has played four down football. And, uh, oh, I mean, listen, listen, these guys have been getting slept on forever. And I mean, I think it's really, it's really significant. But listen, just before we go, I actually want to double back to the Jets because a number of people in chat, we mentioned a bunch of names. The one name that we didn't mention is Andrew Brunette. And Brunette Mm. is fascinating for so many reasons in that he's got a very limited resume. He's coached for the majority of one season. This past season, Jack Adams finalist with the Florida Panthers. Uh, Do you think that's a possibility? Because I can tell you from a media side of things, I mean, it couldn't get any juicier than essentially just swapping Maurice and Brunette and seeing what happens with the two teams. Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, I almost have to apologize for not bringing him up. I, you know, I think he would be in that group. I just, but he, you know, he, if it was in the group of people who the Jets should go after, yeah, absolutely. He cracks that top three. I don't know if he, you know, here's the thing. If you're Andrew Brunette, look, you, you know, you, you garnered a reputation. You mentioned, you know, Huss, his, his lack of head coaching resume. I'm not a hundred percent sure that Andrew Brunette would want to walk into the you know, the situation he was just in. And go to a team that, you know, for argument's sake, is pretty much trending the exact opposite way. And so, you know, because you can kind of, as much as you can make a reputation in a small amount of time, you can also break a reputation in a small amount of time. So, um, you know, if you're the Winnipeg Jets, I certainly think you're looking for a guy like like Andrew Brunette to come in and 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 bring his, you know, his his winning abilities to your team. I'm just curious of what Brunette might think about coming to Winnipeg where he might have a ton of questions with the roster. Now, you know, who knows? Maybe he sees a roster that he, you know, sees it as a challenge and wants to come jump in. I think he'd certainly, you know, be given the opportunity. I don't mean offer the job per se, but certainly be in the running. I don't know why he wouldn't be. Um, but this one to me, and it's just my own opinion, of course, is is that I think it's, you know, it's going to be an interesting one to see if he wants the opportunity here in Winnipeg rather than, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a couple teams that are looking for his services. What do you have cooking in the Freep this week? Uh, well, I'm going to Toronto this weekend, so I got, got a couple days off here, but then we, because uh, the Bombers have a couple days off, and then we dive into week four action. I mean, this is going to be a, a fun one, right? I mean, they're, Toronto's Toronto's reeling from that beatdown from the Lions. You got, uh, you know, the, the, the game against the, the one game. I think it's only one game this season between the Bombers and Argos. I don't think the Argos come here. Uh, so that's no, this uh, is it. So, this yeah, is so, it. So Andrew this is, Harris, this is the Andrew the Harris game. So going to be probably going to have to wait, uh, 
you know, wait until we're in Toronto to talk to Andrew, but uh, I think it's going to be an exciting game, an emotional game for, for both sides. And I'm looking forward to being able to see, you know, get a not so front row seat, but let's call it a bird's eye view of that. Uh, what should be a very good clash. Hammer. Thanks for doing this. This was awesome as always. Always a pleasure, my man. Thanks a lot for having Appreciate me. Appreciate it. At Jeff K. Hamilton on Twitter. Make sure you're reading all of Jeff's work in the Winnipeg Free Press. All right, bombing is ready to go. Just before, I, I Remo, pop back in if you're here for a minute because while we were on the air with Jeff, uh, am I correct? We have the new inductees into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah, we were following in chat. They did have the announcement of the Hockey Hall of Fame, Lanny McDonald with the mustache. Uh, make, making it there on TSN. Uh, I will go in the order that they they gave. Who do they have here? They had first Herb Carnegie in as a builder, uh, inducted posthumously. Uh, next, first Finnish female player, Rika Salonen. And then they have th- uh, four NHL players. The first one being from the Ottawa Senators. Daniel Alfie? Al- Alfredson got yes! in. Yes, this was one that was uh, highly de- highly debated. I thought uh, a lot of people saying um, McGillney should be in. I guess tease he didn't get in. Uh, Alfredson got in. I'll just go through the other ones before we discuss quickly. Roberto Luongo, he is in, and we have the final two in their first year of eligibility. They had to put them in together. You can't have one without the other right could you imagine in. daniel's out could you imagine if henrik was in and and daniel daniel was not in like how crazy would that be what kind of you have to do the same ceremony like are they going to do the speech together i'm surprised they even announced them separately i mean i know you've got all these other yeah. ones i'm surprised that they did just to have one thing with daniel and henrik sedin they i mean did. That, that's what i would have done well lanny mcdonald he announced it he said alfredson and then luongo and then he you knew there were four NHL players, and I was like, well, it's got to be Henrik and Daniel, right? So there was some suspense where they announced, uh, I forget who they announced first, I think Daniel and then Henrik, but I think they're all very deserving. I wasn't crazy about Alfie. I know there's a big pro-Alfie crowd. I just never thought he was uh, one of the top players in the league, but uh, I'm, but I think he has really good career numbers. I mean, Daniel and Henrik, they were they had a stretch where they were winning hard trophies. Art Ross, Ted Lindsay took Vancouver to the Cup Final, uh, won Olympic gold to Sweden, Alfredson as well in 06. I mean, Luongo never won a Vesna, but was always considered a top goalie in the league, finalist, won the gold medal with Canada 2010, uh, took Vancouver to the Cup. I mean, three guys from the Vancouver 2011 Cup team that went to Game 7 against uh, against Boston. I, brown, uh, brown Eyed Girl, MJD, writing that in chat. I uh, was interesting, but I think all, all deserving. I'm not going to argue with the, uh, with the vote, although the, there's always this secrecy about... Uh, you know who's voting for who? How many votes they got? Um, it's uh, it's it, it's an interesting process. That yes, the, uh, that the Hall of Fame uh, does, and I believe Mark Chipman involved in the uh, in the voting. Uh, he was announced uh, to that, you know, a couple of years back. So congratulations to all the new nominees in the Hockey Hall of Fame. We're going to get to some CFL talk with uh, Darren Bombing right now. Do you want to thank our friends at Not Auto Corp for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk? So a bunch of the Not Gang out at the game on the weekend, and actually heading out to the uh, Cinnaboya Downs with the 
not gang in a couple days. We will get to our Cineboy Downs picks a little later on. But if you are looking for a new vehicle, before you do anything, pop down and see our friends at Not Auto Corp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of the Not team? Check out everything they've got out on the lot. And if there's a particular make and model of a vehicle you're looking for, They'll find it for you and get you here at the best possible price. Not Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery, and online at not.ca. Uh, hey, our friends at Princess Auto had to call a bit of an audible before the game. We were talking about that crazy storm that came into Winnipeg beforehand. Um, unfortunately, the Princess Auto tailgate party had to sort of get shut down and move on inside. But um, the next time you're out at a Winnipeg Blue Bombers game, make sure you take in all the fun outside. Great deals on beer, hot dogs, and pop. And, uh, of course, some great Princess Auto swag as well. Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk. And the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations. Visit them on Panit Road or Portage Avenue West or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And uh, hey, just looking outside, there may be a chance of a thunderstorm a little later on, but it's already up to 29 degrees, which makes it a great day to pop by and visit Nick and Nikki and grab one of those delicious blizzards to make the summer taste even better. Of course, Nick and Nikki have four locations, DQ Neverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Serving up right now that special Reese's Pieces cookie dough blizzard. Had a couple of those so far this summer. They're unbelievable. And, of course, you can hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba as well if you do need a cake for an upcoming party or event. All right, let's uh, talk a little football. I know we've sort of been focused in on the cup final and uh, where the Jets go now, but as we just talked briefly with the hammer, the Bombers are 3-0 and and right where we uh, expected them to be uh, after a nice win over the Hamilton Tiger Cats on Friday night at IG Field and Darren Bombing of Bonfire Sports, who many of you joined after the game with our buddy Jack Schnitzer. By the way, DB, I meant to do this. I was sitting with some friends from Princess Auto, actually in a loge right behind the bomber bench. And Zach happens to sit right behind my folks. So I knew, and he was there actually with Drew Mendel as well. And I was looking yeah. over and after the big play by Willie Jefferson, there was Zach running all the way up the top, high-fiving all the fans. He was definitely bringing the passion. I know he did on the show afterwards, but uh, what did you think of a win number three of the season for the big blue? Yeah, they continue to impress, right? Like the defense hasn't lost a step. Like they're still on beat from really that Grey Cup run in 2019 all through the 2021 season. It's continued through here. The last time this Blue Bombers defense allowed a touchdown, you got to go all the way back to the second possession Ottawa had in the first quarter of week one. And it's it's just unbelievable how bend but don't break they are. And like, there's lots of controversy and, and conversation around, you know, is it bend but don't break? Well, we don't like it calling bend, but don't, whatever it is, they allow a lot of yards. <laughs> there no one scoring times. touchdowns on them. <laughs> but nobody's scoring touchdowns. It, it's unbelievable. So, you know, think of the pressure off of the shoulders of an offense that really has been retooled here in Winnipeg, you know, with Zach Kolaris, but no more Andrew Harris, some changes on the offensive line, some definite changes in the receiving core and a new look group there with a couple returning veterans. Uh, the pressure off of the shoulders of the offense has to be immense 
because they don't have to compete with a team that is pushing the field and putting up sevens and, you know, okay, well, like we got to make sure it's a three score game. So, you know, uh, no lead is safe and the rest teams are just kicking field goals on the Winnipeg blue bombers. Mark Leggio kicking his own uh, field goals and looking pretty well. Uh, Big game for Leggio. I mean, the, the kicking yeah. st- the kicking game has always been a story, and it was sort of kind of funny last year because we were talking about you know some poor kicking games being the difference between winning by thirty and winning by twenty five or twenty four, um, and you knew at a certain point it would need to get better, and obviously it did with Sergio Castillo, but for Leggio to go into that game and uh, you know what go four for four. I think that was a big, big step forward for him because the one thing that he has been very consistent with is some great placements of punts, but you got to make sure you're getting three when you get the opportunity. Yeah, he had he had a great uh, net punting average. And, you know, before we get to the field goals, I have to talk about his punting because it was awesome, frankly. You know, Zach and I talked about that on the postgame show on Bonfire and like how impressed I was with how close he was to a couple kicks I ended up scoring singles on a couple, but he one I remember specifically in the first quarter, he put a real sidewinder on it. It hit, you know, like the the three or two yard line and ended up going about two yards into the end zone and out of bounds for the single. But he was this close to corner coffining uh, the, the Hamilton Tiger Cats offense. Uh, he is getting very, very consistent in his punting game. And I think with that comes confidence, obviously praise of his teammates and, and praise from his coaches. And that helps build his confidence to be, as you said, uh, where he needs to be good. And that's kicking field goals. Um, you have to wonder if having Ali Murtada on the practice roster is just kind of a nice over the shoulder reminder. You know, you're working with a guy every day in practice in the film room, the rest knowing that he's there. So if you have a couple bad games, um, it, it's easy to just say, okay, we got this guy. Let's put him in and take you out. So no doubt the Blue Bombers want Mark Leggio to be the guy. I'm seeing progressive steps from him. I think Winnipeg is, uh, the, the confidence in him is growing from game to game. Now, uh, you know, we'll get to the offense in a minute, but I mean, the defense was once again the story of the game. I mean, Willie Jefferson with a pick six that was like the electric play of the game that really gave the Bombers the cushion yeah. late in the game where you knew that they were going to win. But the guy that stood out to me was Demario Houston coming in mm-hmm. in the place of Winston Rose. And I think his performance in the game on Friday night gives the Bombers a real level of confidence that they don't need and can't rush Winston Rose back. They want to get him as healthy as possible so when he can get back into the lineup, he can stay in the lineup. Um, what did you think of Houston and uh, his significant playing time in the absence of Rose? Well, everybody's talking about the the play Willie Jefferson made and even the plays in the series before where he had a sack and then a tackle for loss uh, to just kind of take all the wind out of uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats sales. And then obviously that pick six and scoring his fifth career touchdown as a defensive end, like uh, unbelievable. Um, But it was Demario Houston who made the initial play on that knockdown football that Willie Jefferson ended up intercepting. Um, early in the game, you saw the Ticats go after Demario Houston and target uh, Dunbar Jr. And, and target that side of the field. I don't think they're throwing at Dietrich Nichols. They're throwing at the, the young guy in Demario Houston. He played quite well. You know, uh, you know, he wasn't perfect. But for a guy to be in his second year in the CFL, spent the majority of last year on the practice roster, I think he got a couple games in late in the year when the Bombers had first place locked up and the rest. Um, but he was excellent. And 
you know, speculation Chris Walby and I uh, got into on the pregame show on Bonfire. It was, you know, well, if Winston isn't 100% healthy and he hasn't maybe been playing as well as he could or should, maybe it's a good opportunity for him to say, okay, you know, just rest the foot or whatever is ailing him, uh, take that time. But then also coach up Demario Houston, which is what he did when Winston Rose wasn't practicing. Watch from the sidelines, watch the film with other guys on the field, and maybe that'll help, um, you know, tighten the screws a little bit uh, for Winston Rose. It's his job. I don't think he's going to get Wally pipped here, but, um, you know, he knows he needs to be better. The Blue Bombers said that all week long. Two narrow margin victories over the Ottawa Red Blacks. They expect much better of themselves, and they showed it back on Friday in uh, winning that. Great Cup grudge match with the Ticats. Well, I mean, listen, I mean, it was a strong game all around, um, but especially in the defensive side of the ball, and we'll add special teams in there as well. The offense is still sort of finding its footing, and I think it was Taylor Allen who in the free press said, you know, was the Bombers maybe have a bit of an identity crisis, and, you know, that comes with losing, you know, carriers of, we were talking a lot about the culture carriers for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, Andrew Harris was that guy for so long, and with him, not here anymore and obviously Kenny Lawler who is the number one threat passing wise and Darvin Adams that's been a big a big player here um you know there still is work to be done going forward but to me it all starts with the running game and I know Michael Couture was out and Brady Oliveira did have a better game on Friday um but it does seem like the Bombers really need to at some point establish a more effective and consistent running game. And I think that is the first step to really opening up the offense and allowing Zach Caleros to start putting up some bigger numbers in the air. You're certainly right. And, you know, I don't completely disagree with Taylor Allen's premise, you know, that he wrote about in the free press. I don't know if I would call it a identity crisis, but I would definitely call it an identity wrinkle, you know, or a bunch of wrinkles. Um, the, you know, the shirt is not looking pressed as far as the Blue Bombers offense Uh, is concerned. I think they've looked better, you know, with every game. Uh, You know, Zach Polaris hasn't thrown the lights out, but he has been clutch when he's needed to be. Um, As far as the run game, yeah, changes on the offensive line will affect that. Change in style of running. You know, Buck Pierce took over from Paul Apolise last season, and he still had Andrew Harris, so he could use his tailback in the exact same way that, you know, Buck Pierce learned to call plays as an offensive coordinator. Brady Oliveira is probably closer to Andrew Harris's style than uh, a Johnny Augustine, but he's different. Like, nobody's Andrew Harris. Nobody is ever going to be Andrew Harris. He's going to go down as one of the most unique personalities and runners in Canadian Football League history. Um, I like what Brady Oliveira does and, you know, kind of theorizing why they're sticking with Brady and not giving Johnny more work despite the higher, you know, yards per carry average and the rest. I think the Blue Bombers just want to get, you know, the, the one thing they want as far as identity is to continue to be the, the dictation of physicality. They want to play smash mouth football. Johnny Augustine is more of a slasher cutting to the outside, you know, good in space, lots of speed. Brady Oliveira is a bowling ball. He's, he's much more like an Andrew Harris ilk. And, you know, offensive lines, especially ones that, you know, with changes, Hustler, it takes a little bit of time for that, that gel and that continuity to come. Now they have a new center. You have a new left guard with Desjardins leaving. I think they just want to go there and, and hit their opponent in the mouth. I think that's why they keep going hard with Brady Oliveira. I don't think Jeff Gray is the problem. 
Last week, we saw them run the football to the left, to the left, to the left every time. Maybe that wasn't what Hamilton was expecting. Winnipeg has no problem running behind anybody on this offensive line. They have always started with the run. They will continue with the run. That's what opens everything else up. And we saw the run open up the play action hustler. That's why Winnipeg was able to take some deeper shots as the game went on. Now, uh, DB, this sets up the uh, the big matchup. By the way, it's on Monday, too, which gives the Bombers a few extra days off yeah. before going into Toronto. But as Jeff Hamilton said, this is the Andrew Harris game. I mean, barring a meeting in the Grey Cup uh, or potentially in the playoffs, I guess, with a potential crossover, this is the one single meeting. And you know Andrew Harris has this circled on his calendar from the second he signed with the Argos. That being said, they're coming off an absolute massacre at the hands of Nate Rourke and the British Columbia Lions. I mean, what do you make of this week four matchup of the Blue Bombers? The challenge going into Toronto to take on what should be a very ornery team in Toronto, but one that, frankly, is lucky to have a one-and-one record and look nothing like a team that's going to beat the champs in uh, their trip to the West Coast last week. I was just pulling up the numbers from that 44 to three drubbing at the pause of the BC Lions that the Argos had to uh, endure. It was unbelievably awful game. And, and like, it was fun to watch. It was fun to see Nathan Rourke continue, you know, what he showed in week one. And like, man, what, what a story he is. I don't think there was a player's name mentioned more than Nathan Rourke's this past week. And, and rightfully so but the Toronto Argonauts offensive line. I described it as horrendous. It's frankly putrid. Like, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't protect McLeod um, Bethel-Thompson. I'm not hanging anything of that poor offensive performance on him. He didn't have much time to operate. Andrew Harris, seven carries for 27 yards. Yeah, that's about four yards per carry. But they couldn't get anything, any continuity going. Um, I think there's a serious problem there that they're going to have to address. Defensively, when BC beat up on Edmonton in week one, Edmonton couldn't tackle. When BC beats Toronto in week three, their second game of the season, it wasn't lack of tackling. It was just lack of defensive uh, game plan effectiveness. BC just found ways to move the ball and found ways uh, to find Lucky Whitehead and, and Brian Burnham and uh, Javon Katoy and, and the rest in the receiving game. It, it was impressive uh, the way Nathan Rourke was able to operate. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing BC in Ottawa next week. Uh, for maybe a little bit of a tougher test than their first road game of the season. Uh, but all that said, it is a bit of a schedule quirk with the Bombers playing on the 4th of July on a Monday, following obviously the Canada Day long weekend. Um, but it'll be good, I think, for Winnipeg uh, you know, to, to face uh, an opponent that is having some defensive troubles, similar to Hamilton, uh, maybe coming into last week. I expect that defensive line to continue to eat you know, Willie Jefferson got all the love, and rightfully so, but Jackson Jeffcoat uh, was excellent. Casey Sales and Jake Thomas. Um, you know, Kyrie Wilson doesn't get a lot of love and, and mention. Uh, there's, it's time to start putting shine on number 19's name. Kyrie Wilson has been uh, superb all season as the weak side linebacker next to Adam Big Hill. The DBs are doing their job. Uh, I, I really wonder what the line is going to come in on this game hustle, or even if we're going to get a look at a line before the weekend with it being a Monday game, um, the, the challenge is right not now so much. For you. I've got one right oh, now you for you. Little heads up uh, preview of our cool bet lines coming up afterwards. Bombers have opened as five and a half favorites in Toronto against the Argos. Wow. 
I don't mind that number at all. You know, I, I've been rolling with the Bombers this year, and, and I think, uh, you know, it's probably easy to continue that. But I was just going to say, this week is one challenge. The team won't look past the Argos, but I can. Uh, it's five days between playing Toronto on Monday the 4th and then being in Vancouver three time zones to the West uh, just five days later. So that is going to be a challenge to rest and recover they're reveling in their rest right now. They've got about four or five days off through this weekend and uh, expected to uh, return to the field and practice in earnest at IG Field on Thursday. Uh, you know, prepping for this. Yeah, you want to talk about, a, you know, a grudge match. Uh, it, it's going to be a grudge match for a couple individuals in that game. They might be in double blue, maybe not in blue and gold. Yeah, well, listen, I can't wait for it. And you mentioned, I mean, that short week and the long travel. I mean, it certainly didn't do the uh, the Rough Riders well when uh, they were on the short week and traveled all the way to Montreal yeah. and got their asses kicked on uh, on Thursday night. Um, DB, uh, big weekend coming up. We mentioned the Bombers not playing until Monday. Fill us in on the, uh, the bonfire schedule for uh, what you guys have cooking on the channel this week. Yeah, Zach is on the IR, so we got a special guest, uh, a pinch hitter on Tuesday night. Familiar face and voice, uh, everybody will recognize, but I'll leave that a secret for Ooh, Tuesday night at 7.30. Uh, yeah, and then uh, I'm going to hope Chris Walby is in decent decent enough shape uh, after a long weekend oh. at the lake and uh, get a pregame show going uh, on Sunday at some point uh, and give people a lot of runway uh, to take in uh, that pregame show ahead of the, the Monday holiday. And, uh, of course, course post game as always uh on our youtube channel uh, bonfire sports uh it, it's going to be a fun one i get to kind of kick back uh and and take in the rest of the cfl week have a day on sunday to i don't know you know cut the grass and, and do a pregame show with walby um and then uh you know a, a unique monday game for the blue bombers it, it should be a fun one if you haven't already checked it out to me uh, the post game show from friday is still up with darren and zach that's obviously over at bonfire sports and uh, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and join them on the weekend heading into monday's game db thanks for doing this we'll hook up next week say hi to the big guy i will always good take care Hus. appreciate it there it is darren bombing a bonfire sports talking bombers bombers big win over the tie cats three and oh now Tied for first place in the West with the Calgary Stampeders at 3-0. And, of course, those British Columbia Lions that made all those headlines behind Nathan Rourke with his all-time record for passing yards by a Canadian quarterback performance in that 44-3 drubbing of the Toronto Argonauts, who, of course, will host the Bombers coming up on Monday. Uh, all right. Uh, we do need to get to our Cinnaboy Downs picks, and uh, we'll get to Coolbet in just a second. Uh, I do want to, of course, thank our friends at Boston Pizza. I actually had BP last night. The pizza uh, pizza flights are back. I love the pizza flights. $20.99, you get three smaller pizzas, different kinds. Eat half of it yesterday, some of it for lunch today. Uh, anyways, you can check that out as well. Their new summer menu is really good. They've got the uh, Carnitas pizza as well, and um, all sorts of other great treats. And hey, Pop in, join them, get the Jays game on TV. Great spot to watch the Bombers now that hockey and basketball, the finals are over. And of course, you can always check out their game day deals and order online at bostonpizza.com. Saw quite a few CC and gingers being consumed at the game on the weekend. Seems like people are really enjoying those as well. Shout out to everyone that came by Little Brown Jug and took advantage of those uh, Jim Beam social passes that we had to give out. And I hope everyone took advantage of that Canadian Club drink that was included with those tickets as well. Uh, of course, Canadian Club, the official sponsor of the Bombers. It's uh, flowing everywhere at IG Field. And of course, that drink of the summer, the ready-to-drink Canadian Club and ginger ale available all across the city as well. 
pop by your local liquor marts and uh, hey if you have a, you're at the beer store for the rest of the month a couple days left you'll get a free bomber slim can koozie with the purchase of a six, six pack of cc and ginger at all the canadians beer stores and you'll also be entered to win an autographed blue bomber jersey with one to be given away at each canadian beer store locations all right um let's see you know we'll get to the assiniboy downs picks in a second but considering db sort of teed me up for it let's quickly get to the cool bet lines uh because we don't have hockey to bet on anymore we don't have nba we've certainly got a lot of baseball right now but i think what we'll be focusing in on is the canadian football league and the lines are out for next week we started off on thursday night the BC Lions, as Darren mentioned, going to Ottawa to take on the Red Blacks. Very intriguing matchup considering the starts for both of those two teams. BC opens as four-and-a-half-point favorites after that 41-point win over the Argos on uh, on the weekend. Edmonton didn't get a win, but they did cover the number against the Calgary Stamps on the weekend. Uh, they'll be traveling east to take on the Hamilton Tiger Cats. The Ticats, seven-point home favorites against the Elks who lost by a touchdown to Calgary on the weekend. The other matchup, a rematch of last Thursday's game between the Alouettes and Rough Riders, this time in Regina. And the Riders are four-point favorites over the Montreal Alouettes. And as we mentioned, Bombers, five-and-a-half-point favorites going on the road to take on the Toronto Argonauts. And interestingly enough, the Bombers opened this season as uh, three-to-one favorites to win the Grey Cup. The BC Lions were way down at the bottom of the list with the uncertainty about the quarterbacking situation. Well, BC is rocketed up after their first two games. Bombers are now still the clear favorite at plus 235. Calgary at 3-0 is 4-1. to And then you've got the BC Lions 5-1 to to win the Grey Cup. Riders 7-1. to Argos 8. Alouettes 9. Hamilton 13-1. to Ottawa 15-1. to And the Edmonton Elks at 0-3 at 50-1. to a clear ninth place team in the power polls, if you will. Uh, as far as Major League Baseball goes tonight, the uh, Jays are at home to the Boston Red Sox. The Jays are favored, minus 169 tonight on the hill. Red Sox plus 137. Powerhouse Yankees still laying huge numbers each and every night. Minus 294 for the Yankees at home against the lowly Oakland Athletics. Hey, you see that uh, quote-unquote brawl yesterday, Remo, between the uh, the Angels and the Mariners? That video of a guy uh, chucking a box of sunflower seeds <laughs> that's, that's, on the field. Is that what you're way, referring to? Way to get them. Well, that was in the aftermath of it. I mean, they did have a, a big bench-clearing incident, and uh, I don't know, it was a lot more wrestling than uh, probably punches being thrown, but it did look like a pretty crazy situation. But yes, what was noteworthy is the guy that was still so mad he grabbed a box of box of sunflower seeds and ran to the third baseline from their dugout <laughs> threw it 10 feet probably 100 feet from anyone on the other team and then presumably had someone else clean it up one of the more strange reactions to uh to some of the uh the nonsense that was going on in that game but um uh, the the base base brawls just never seem to live up to the hype the only one that did was uh, Rugnet Odor punching uh, Jose Bautista. Oh. That's that's really the only one. But yeah, I'm here. I think when stuff like that happens, it gets uh, going on social media. So I heard about it as well. And yeah, as Jeff Cabillas put it in chat, what a waste of seeds. And I mean, you're just getting someone to clean it up too. What a situation. Yeah, what, what a situation. What a, what a situation. Exactly. What a, so Shut I got... <laughs> 
I was going to say, with no hockey on now, I guess I'll be tuned into more baseball, but I will be enjoying my my free time until the Jets preseason in September. It just seemed like every every night and then every second night in the cup final, we had hockey on. So I'm going to be having a lot more free time. Catching up on shows. CFL, though. We all have CFL. CFL. And Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, more time to pay attention or head out to Assiniboia Downs for our picks. Hey, congratulations to all the winners from our contest. Pick and race six for the last couple weeks. July 12th, we're going to head out. Remus and I will be there, kind of host the gang with a free trip to the world-famous Prime Rib Buffet. And we're going to have a Winnipeg Sports Talk race as well. So we'll get to go down, be in the winner's circle, maybe take a picture with the horse. Um, so hopefully everyone that won will be able to join us that night. And congratulations again, and thanks for playing along. Let's get to our picks for the races tonight, Remo. And uh, I've got mine ready to go. Uh, spread it over five races tonight. I figured, well, now we've got all this extra time. So, well, we'll maybe spread it out. So I'm going to start it off with race number two, uh, I'm going to go with Crowned Royal. Now, the favorite of this one is Bite the Bullet Bro, and I think that was uh, your race the last Bite, time. Bite, Bite the, the Bullet, Bullet Bro is uh, opening up at That's where I got to say it. Crowned Royal <laughs> is at three, so I'll give you Bite the Bullet Bro, and I'm going to take Crowned Royal. Uh, we're going to throw five on uh, number two to win. Um, going over to race number three, uh, I'm going to go with a 1-2 Quinella, Artesian Dancer and Dixie Mo. Um, I'm not taking Kate's Princess, who is the clear favorite, so hopefully we get a bit better of a number if, in fact, we can get number 1-2 to come in first and second in either order. So a 1-2 Quinella for 3 bucks in race 3. Uh, for race number 4, just going to take a winner. Uh, $2 bet on horse number 2. Yes, it's me, Johnny G. Uh, so we've got $2 to win on number two in race four. And now my other 10 bucks, we're splitting it up between race number five and race number six. Race five, we're going to go with a 3-7 Quinella freezing Jimmy. And number seven, shooting money. Shootin oh, no, that's money. actually not right. Drizzy is my pick. We remember Drizzy from last year. Drizzy and shooting money, a 4-7. Uh, I wrote that down wrong. 4-7 Quinella. Four bucks for race number five. And my final one, I always like to do one $6 triactor box. We're going to race number six. Always the biggest fields, it seems, in race number six. We've got eight horses tonight. Uh, La Chica de Fuego, horse number two. Horse number three, Storm Squall. And number seven, Sista of War. So two, three, seven, any order, we'll pick a winner. Those are my picks for tonight's races Remo where are you going as we uh, start another week of our head-to-head battle shooting money I like that horse too it's I just like when uh Kurt announces the names uh I didn't actually bet on bite the bullet bro but I I saw that one that was a crazy race because um you got bite the button then you have Henry is in control or sorry Henry sin control or Henry's in control I'm not sure how to read that one that so you got these race the in bunch of cash you got these horses with long names and no spaces. I didn't realize you weren't allowed to put a space in a name. Although Crown Royal and you Double can time, if you want, but yeah. some people don't when they're naming their horses. I guess yeah. So interesting horse naming. Um, race three, I think I had to bet on this horse to show arouse and go, arouse and go. What a name. <laughs> uh, race four. I am betting on Quinella 4-2. I got Big Time, Gizmo, and Yes, It's Me, Johnny G. So I, I did like that one as well. 
race five. I'm going with the Triactor box. Seems to way to, seems a good way to hit it big. I got Drizzy, Rydum, and Diddly. I didn't get shooting money in there. I may regret that one. And the other one is race six. I got a Quinella six seven. Six seven. Enhanced finance and Sista of War. Those are my two. Nicely done. So uh, those are our selections tonight. We're using the HPI Bet app to uh, uh, bet, HPI Bet site um, to uh, bet on the races. And of course, you can do it on Assiniboia Downs and tracks throughout the world. Part of the reason why the Downs is doing so well, though, with this Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday uh, schedule is the fact that, you know, the signals being carried all around North America and beyond which is cranking up the betting pools and um, certainly having the chance to hit big and, of course, certainly helping the downs at the same time. Uh, so live racing tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday. Looks like it's going to be pretty uh, some nice nights. I'm going to be heading out Wednesday, and uh, I think I'll probably take in the Gold Eyes game tomorrow now that the Fish are back, and uh, we will not have a Game 7. So I'm looking forward to that. Fish, uh, just a quick series heading into the weekend, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday here and then uh, back on the road for the Canada Day long weekend. But they'll be having their fun on the Thursday night game uh, before everybody's off. Again, you want more information on Assiniboia Downs, asdowns.com and hpibet.com is the site if you'd like to uh, open an account. And, of course, you can always watch all the races live on the Assiniboia Downs YouTube channel as well. Um yeah, that's a, a bit of wild showroom. I mean, as I said, the entire weekend was a little crazy. It was a hell of a way to start it off with a day we'll remember for a long time, our show at Little Brown Jug. Then you had the Bomber game, of course, some other events with our clients over the course of the weekend, and now back at it. And uh, I would imagine on almost a daily basis, there'll be new tidbits and pieces of information that we'll be able to kick around on the Jets head coaching search. And we'll see at what point and how soon the Winnipeg Jets can name that head coach because, of course, next week is draft week. And uh, I would imagine over the course of the rest of this week and early next week, we'll have plenty of draft experts on talking about some of the options for Winnipeg who currently pick at 14th and 30th. And then many of the uh, guys covering these teams around the league as to what may happen on the trade floor leading into the draft and on draft day for the first round. Yeah, Winnipeg Jets uh, head coach watch will be having an eye on all week. And whatever offseason moves, it has been fun, you know, looking at some of the rosters, you know, especially uh, Colorado now that they're done. What are they going to do? What are the Jets going to do? How much roster movement is there going to be? But as well, we got CFL, the Bombers with this Monday game. I don't know if I agree with that Monday game. Monday Night Jul Football. July 4th. Awesome. But then they got a short week after. I don't like that. Well, we'll see. I mean... Hey, it happens to every team over the course of uh, over the course of the, the the year, and it's great for Bomber fans because you know we'll be able to watch some of the other games, enjoy the long weekend, and then we come back on Monday, and it'll be a game day, and of course we'll be able to kick that around on Tuesday, and then the draft is on on Thursday. So um, this is going to be a very busy couple weeks here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks to everyone for joining us today. If you haven't already, make sure you hit the red subscribe button. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm um, expecting Mike McIntyre to jump on the program for a little bit more. Of course, Mike was with us live at a, at a, a Little Brown Jug um, just leading into the announcement of Barry Trotz. And if you did miss the show, go back. I mean, the news basically broke in the middle of our conversation with Murata Tesh. So if you want to see what disappointment looks like live and in person, uh, just look at my face as I, as, uh, 
reading the report uh, of what Darren Drager broke uh, earlier on the weekend uh, or, or early on Friday about Barry Trotz moving on. Uh, all that being said, congrats to the Avalanche, a uh, very worthy Stanley Cup champions for the 2021-2022 season. And uh, the Cup is back in the Central Division right now. Going to be a pretty tough neighborhood next year with uh, the likes of McKinnon and McCarr all coming back and now having already got to the top of the mountain. Yeah, and hey, we do need to give one other shout-out, not just Colorado Avalanche for the big winners over the weekend, but the Winnipeg Jets. We didn't really follow it that closely, but we do need to give a shout-out to Adam Lowry, who won the Winnipeg Jets-style bracket, rocking this... This is what is it? I don't even know what kind of hat this yeah. is. Yeah, okay. I'm glad you brought this up. First of all, congratulations to Adam, the fashion icon of the Winnipeg Jets. And I, I remember, I think, when he wore this outfit earlier on, I want to say it was Sarah Sivian of The Athletic yeah. who put together like a NHL fashion power rankings. And Lowry went from off the board right up till the top of the list. But here is my question for those of you watching on YouTube. First of all, what do you call this hat? What what are these hats like it? And we've seen Adam wear these, Nate Schmidt, Jansen Harkins. My question is this. Do these guys just put these hats on for the walk down the hallway for the social media picture? Or do they actually wear these things out in public? Like, has anyone ever seen a member of the Jets wear one of these hats? Because... You know, I think a lot of the guys, when they're out, they're trying not to really attract attention, you know, just go about their business and do what it is. You can't get away with that when you're wearing a hat like this. I mean, that is a showstopper. Everyone's looking at you if you roll into some sort of a public venue in that. So when we do talk to Adam Lowry, I'm going to definitely ask him that question, whether this is more a game day thing, wearing to the game, or, you know, if you bump, uh, if Adam Lowry's going to say a Nick and Nicky DQ or something to grab a blizzard, might he be wearing one of these very obviously fashionable hats? I mean, that's how he won the competition, right? Yeah, everyone's calling that hat a fedora. I don't know if that is that a fedora. Okay. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, Line A rocked one. I think I got to get one. Does that have apparel? Can I get that one like the same color as my suit? Do I call them? Will they get you one know for what? me? We may, I wonder if that's where they got them too. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll reach out to Andrew. I'll find out if the uh, mm. if these these lids uh, are what they're selling now with their suits. I got to pop in and get suited I gotta, up for one for a wedding in, in September right now. So I will do that in the next week and I'll get report one. back to you all. You would look good in that. I, I should get one too. You should get yeah. one. Yeah, we <laughs> right. should get one. We can be like, it kind of starting to remind me now I'm thinking like, uh, dumb and Dumber with the hats and the suits, but that was a top hat. That was a classic top hat. I don't think this is a top hat. <laughs> no, no. You go ahead. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, that, that was a very different style of both suit and hat that, mm -hmm. uh, Jim Carrey and, uh, Jeff Daniels wore in the, uh, the all time classic film. Yeah. So but that's about that. Um, I don't know what else. Uh, I didn't really touch on CFL. I've been watching BC. I know they've shot up uh, the Those power rankings, but uh, this Nathan Rourke, I think he's legit. But however, let's see them play a real team. They've played against the trash Edmonton Elks and who Argos, who are also bad. But I would argue, I think the only good teams in the league now are, are Winnipeg and BC now. I think everyone else sucks except for well, Calgary's 3-0. and Calgary's, they're frauds. And who else Whoa, is there? Oh, I like it. Hot take alert. <laughs> Although, unless they started uh, uh, Mayor and quarterback. I, I think Bo Levi, he's just just barely hanging on. No offense, Bo Levi. So, but uh, who's the other one? 
Uh, Ottawa, I think Ottawa against a team not named the Bombers will be interesting this week. Well, PC's got to travel all the way across the country to play them, and certainly I think they'll have a tougher test than they've had have had in their first two games. We'll have uh, maybe one of the three-down guys on the next couple days to set everything up heading into the long weekend. And again, yeah, we're going to have to wait a full week until the Bombers are back. Uh, but many Bombers enjoying a little bit of time off. I know a few of the guys, uh, you know, took a little bit of a trip out of the city on the weekend. And Jackson Jeffcoat was just tweeting, he's never fished in Canada and wants to go out to uh, to catch pike and walleye. I would have loved to have sent him up to Aikens Lake, but I don't think he's got enough time to pull that one off. Uh, but needless to say, Jackson, I know, has had a ton of submissions back to him on some amazing spots to go out and catch fish during our Manitoba summer. All right, gang, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back tomorrow. More on the NHL offseason. Dave McCarthy will join us. We'll have our regulars. I believe Mike's going to pop by, get his thoughts on where the Jets are right now and any of the latest news around the head coaching search and uh, much, much more. Goldeyes back home. We'll be talking about the Jays. Wimbledon's going on. A number of Canadians playing tonight. So we'll have a big show tomorrow, starting with the important Winnipeg sports stories and everything else around the world of sports right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks so much for being with us. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Tell a friend about WST and whatever you do. Come on back tomorrow at 1 p.m. when we'll be live with another episode. Have a great one. Thanks for being with us, and we'll see you tomorrow. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.